Hello and welcome to Serpent Temple. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a take two. We tried this once before with no audio, so this is the second <laughs> attempt at it. Yep. So it's, uh, I think, uh, we'll, we'll do better this time. We'll manage. We will. Right, so today is a special episode. We're going to be covering uh, a band which are very near and dear to both me and Shem's heart. They are the Norwegian progressive black slash Viking metal band Enslaved. Yes. Now... Enslaved for me personally, I have been obsessed with this band for a while now, and me and Shem have been waxing lyrical. Well, we did wax lyrical for about two hours <laughs> the other week, but yep. we're going to do it again. Yeah, we and managed to record a whole episode pretty much worth of material before we realized that we hadn't turned the microphones on. <laughs> so we've got a great visual, but yeah, anyway, this is round well, we've two. Got, we've got a good idea of how we're going to do it now, yeah. at least we've got yeah. with the blueprints in place. So I think uh, let's start off how we did it last time. So mm. about our first uh, encounter with the band and how we first got into them. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because we do have uh, different entry points. Mm. So me, anyway, I'll start. So first time I experienced Enslaved was uh, with their split with Emperor. So the uh, the uh, the whole Danes land split. And um, do you know what? Back then, and I think um, it's interesting as well because we've been watching that documentary, which is like a, a twelve-part documentary about Enslaved, and it's, oh, it's what's it called again? I've forgotten. Oh, I Isn't it Heimvigen? I, th I think so. I think yeah, that's yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they spent, spent about ten episodes talking about the, um, the 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 first couple of EPs and the first yeah, full-length release. So weird. Yeah. So if you're interested in the early black metal side of Enslaved, it's it's a must-watch. But it's a really interesting watch anyway because it yeah. really delves into the early history of the band. But like, I think even the band themselves would say that it was you know relatively unremarkable the first set, kind of certain material that they did. Um, and um, yeah, just like I was big, big, massively into Emperor. Like I was all about that symphonic kind of ethereal atmospheric style. And like, although I did like the Enslaved Split, I basically didn't pay any attention to them until the Retier album in 2012. Yeah. So I spent a very, very long time with them being just a name that was familiar to me. So it was um, it was quite a weird journey because listening to Retier after listening to the early demos, like in, even though like the early, early demos do have some great tracks like um, uh, Old Father Odin, I'm not going to try and pronounce the, uh, the, the old Norse version of it, <laughs> and Yggdrasil, but it was still great to hear the progression they made and caused me to want to really delve back and work my way from the earlier albums to the, the, the more modern progressive sound that they've kind of cultivated. Um, and it's funny as well, I think I was saying this last time, it's... Um, to me, Enslaved have always been a band that I've kind of think have got a similar career trajectory as Opeth. Absolutely. And I know you were saying that Opeth and Enslaved are actually two of your favorite bands. Yeah, I think literally number one and two. I'd probably say, I don't know which is which. It kind of differs from um, week to week. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I love them, man. They're so great. Ah, they're just, just, just amazing. And it's, um, you know, I feel like what, what Opeth done with the death metal sound, I feel like Enslaved had done the same with the black metal sound. You know, uh, yeah, totally. It's like, you know, they've started off with quite primitive roots and then just absolutely transcended like the confines and the boundaries of those genres and created something that is totally unique. Although it's their careers are comparable, like they both have very different sounds. Yeah. So like obviously, or, or, like from an audio perspective, they don't sound alike, but just I think with how much impact they both had on the scene, I think it's definitely very comparable. And uh, they're just, oh, just so fucking good, man. I mean, there's just so much material. <laughs> Every album is amazing, which is why what we're going to do today is we're not going to cover the albums from the very, very beginning. No. We're going to start from below the lights and work our way up. The seventh 
It's, they're probably the only band where you could start a roundup of their career on the seventh album and still cover most of their best material. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, right? just, it's so bizarre. There's yeah. no, no other band ever has like just continued to grow better with age and kind of push the boundary in the way they have and stay relevant. And yeah, it's, it's just crazy how, how they've managed to do that. Well, I'd go on the limb. I don't think there's been another band that's been A, as prolific, and yeah, just basically what you said, that's created such a high quality of output on every single full-length release. Yeah. Like, there's not a single bad album. Um, so that was basically my introduction to the band, so I'm interested, because I've forgotten, because it was a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a couple so of weeks. So your introduction. Um, when I was younger, uh, I had a couple of older friends um, who, it was really cool, they were kind of uh, music elitists, and they um, they were into black metal and extreme metal and all kinds of death metal, all kinds of different stuff, grind, yeah. whatever. Um, and when I met them, I kind of was into a couple of cool bands, but I just kind of just didn't know about a lot of things because I didn't really know anyone that listened to extreme, extreme metal. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff I was getting given was more like Machine Head and Metallica and stuff like that. You know, it was all the kind of more middle of the road stuff. Um, so yeah, they would just give me like a new like CD like one of them would give me a new CD or one of them would be like, you should listen to this or give me a USB drive of a bunch of files, this yeah. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, one of one day one of them gave me a copy of um, ESA to listen to. And that was just, um, yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird record. Yeah. <laughs> and when I listened to it, I just, um, yeah, it's something really like hypnotic about it. And it's still probably, I think it's probably my second favorite enslaved album to this day. Yeah. Because it's just, um, it's definitely not the best recorded. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but um, yeah, just just um, just from listening to that for the first time, it, it was just, it sounds unlike any other record I can think of. I can't really think of a lot of records, anything comparable. It's very kind of avant-garde in some ways, um, but then there's other parts of it that are very straightforward and that keep it grounded yeah. in being kind of like a, a black metal album. Um, yeah, but then, you know, the weird thing is I love that album so much, but then every time I thought about Enslaved, I just listened to Issa. I didn't yeah. really explore them or keep up to date with them because yeah. it was kind of pre, uh, like those, that, those days was kind of like pre just, you know, liking a band on Facebook and just knowing every time they brought out an album, yeah. you know, and yeah. I was never really like a huge print guy and I was kind of just absorbing so much music. I didn't always necessarily keep up when bands brought yeah. out albums. Um, but then yeah, years later I was in a, I was in, um, uh, there used to be kind of a metal bar close to my house when I lived in Camden. And the the guy that ran the bar, Dylan, was playing um, Retir. And he was playing um, uh, Storm of Memories. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. sitting there and I just, I was sitting there. I used to go in there and just like drink Guinness and read books during the day when I had yeah. days off because I did shift work. And then like, I just, you know, normally there'd be great music playing, but yeah. I just, I just was hearing it and I just had to put my book down. And I was like, Dylan, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is awesome. And he was like enslaved, but it sounds like a completely different band. Yeah. You know, if you listen to Issa and Retir back to back, yeah. Retir's recorded properly and the drums don't suck. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. And then after I found that out, I just kind of, I completely fell in love with the, with the whole album of Retir because it's just such an amazing album. It's still my favorite. And um, yeah, I, ever since, like I've just loved everything about them. I've completely kept up to date with them and yeah, just really gone in depth. And they're one of my favorite bands. It's, it's interesting because like I remember when we were both kind of planning this episode, like I kind of, my mate Aaron, um, shout out to Aaron, as Callum would say. Man get, likes a shout out. Shout he? out. Yeah, but it's... Um, uh, I was giving him like a list of like a, a short, like brief blurb of every single enslaved album. And I think and then, it, and then I was like, I'm going to attempt to rank them. And then yeah. I messaged you and I was just <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just out of interest. 
um, here's my ranking system. What do you think? And the guy had like Issa near the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But then you're like, oh, that's like one of my favorites. And I was like, you know, let me let me revisit it. And I think we were saying this last time as well because because Retir was was my first. I think because that was like, in my opinion. It sounds like a more fully fledged and developed sound that they start to go for, like say from below the lights onwards. So I think it was strange hearing um, a future release and trying to retroactively trying to appreciate totally. that for the first time. But saying that, going back and listen to Issa a few times, I've tried to listen to the albums just to see if I've got any fresh perspectives or takes on it. And and truth be told, like re-listen to Issa has given me kind of a newfound appreciation for it. Yeah, I've just remembered actually. I think. The week that my friends gave me Issa, they also gave me Dope Throne. And I oh, heard that shit. for the first time. So that might be what saved Issa, is that Dope Throne sounded so fucking messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Issa yeah, sounded yeah. better by comparison. Maybe that yeah. was it. I don't know. But it's... Um, do you know what? It's funny. You were talking about like just the way how um, you can listen to a band sometimes. And it could be a great album, but for some reason, you just don't decide to explore yeah. that band ever again. That happened to me with so many bands. So and I many. You know, because I've I've never been like I've, I was never um, never been a big vinyl guy, but um, I grew up in the era of the CD, the compact disc, and um, don't know why everyone knows what a CD is. Before just saying it out there for any uh, <laughs> for anybody born, <laughs> I after. grew up with mini disc players, fucking <laughs> <laughs> mini disc, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's um, and yeah, I had had that thing where I'd like I was never into like having like every album from a band but I, what I would do is I would go online and find out which ones were considered the best ones mm. and be like well I'll pick whichever ones are rated the highest and there was, it wasn't until like the internet and high speed internet started booming that I was just like oh I can uh, acquire these albums <sighs> through know, other methods you know what this is like when, when you guys interviewed Cam and um, <sighs> yeah. and then like just how old he is and then like how advanced his knowledge is yeah. And it's just so amazing to see how quickly people can catch up nowadays and just yeah. be like, oh, I like black metal. Oh, who are the best bands for that? Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I like uh, I like death metal. Oh, okay, cool. I need to listen yeah. to Morbid Angel. Da, da, da. Like, yeah, but you, but back in our day, back in our day, <laughs> back in our day, it's so yeah. easy to just miss like complete cult classic huge bands and just make your way through life with no idea they existed or just not really caring. Yeah. Like Dying Fetus. I didn't listen yeah. to Dying Fetus till last year or this year or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the truth be told, the only reason I got into Dying Fetus was because. I had some money, some cash from working some fields where I was picking cherries <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was working it was a great job fields. actually. You would get you would get um, three quid for a box. So if you could pick ten boxes a day, you get thirty quid a day. And like I'd go with my mum; she could pick like thirty boxes a day. So she'd what? take up ninety quid yeah. a day. So there's like good money in it. Um, but anyway, so I had like my cherry money that I was spending. I was like, I'm going to go to um, Tower Records. It was at the time. Uh, on Leicester Square, and I'm going to buy the most offensive sounding albums. <laughs> so I found uh, Butcher the Birth by Cannibal Corpse. And I was just like, yeah. Um, no, sorry, it wasn't Butcher the Birth, it was Tomb of the Mutilated. Tomb of the Mutilated, so yeah. When I had all the edgy track titles, and uh, found a Circle of Dead Children album. Yeah. They're another I, band I weirdly, that's like a band me and you both weirdly were like super into. And yeah, no one knows who they are, but they're a great band. Yeah. They're so good. Uh, I love Circle of Dead Children and I'll talk about them in a bit. But And that was the reason why I bought Dying Fetus because I was like, oh, these are two edgy titles. Uh, like right. edgy band names, so I bought them. Yeah. But then like it was Child fun- Murder was the unifying theme of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I was young and I was thinking like, oh yeah, this is going to, if anybody ever comes around my house, they're going to think I'm a fucking badass. Yeah. But anyway, so it's... Molesting um, the decapitated. The hilarious, oh God, what, devour. <laughs> 
from it. Yeah, that's I, well. The funny thing about that, <laughs> so many death metal side stories. Now I ordered that album online. Let's just I was, get them out of the way. I was desperate to get that Devourment album, and yeah. I'd never seen the album cover before. And it's just the fucking the, the fat guy with the, the yeah, captain yeah, head in and his chair, dicks yeah. just there. And I'm just like, um, <laughs> what am I doing just, with my life? Yeah, yeah, it really is one of those covers. Yeah. You're like, ah. Oh. But it's like time I found Disgorge Forensic Mexican Disgorge from that album oh, cover God, and HMV yeah, as well. Not, I was like, yeah. don't Google that one. Oh, that was brutal. But anyway, the interesting thing about well, I'll get back to Enslaved. Anyway, I promise. Enslaved. But I'll say quickly. Interesting thing about Circle of Dead Children and Dying Fetus was um, they're both like quite politically righteous. And like yeah. the reason they're called Circle of Dead Children is because the lead singer Joe Horvath said that he had a daydream where he imagined like um, basically a, a circle of children that were the victims of like unnecessary w- wars. wars. Yeah, that was it. And, and that's like, that the thing behind represents it. War, yeah, yeah. The bodies of dead children like needlessly dying. Yeah. And same with the Dying Fetus album I bought, which would have been uh, Destroy the Opposition. So, which was all about, you know, like wars in the Middle East and just, you know, just. Yeah, yeah. what are you doing, lads? Yeah. <laughs> but it was. Um... But yeah, no, can't remember why I was talking about Tower Records and <laughs> and Dying Fetus. But uh... no, yeah, yeah it's um... Enslaved, that was it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> that was such a fucking. You were buying an Enslaved record, I guess? Yeah, so it was. Um... No, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, that was my original point. So, when I was there buying CDs, I also picked up a Dimu Borgir CD mm. because that was technically would have been the first black metal band I got into, which is then like, kind of like how I got into Emperor. And oh, I remember okay. thinking at the time, because like they, those were some of the only black metal bands that were getting some real coverage in like the Metal Hammer magazines. Yeah. Um, and I ha- hadn't read Terrorizer yet. Yeah. But... Um, I remember just seeing like Dimu Borgia's name. So I was like, okay, I'll check that out. And then that's how I then got into Emperor and then found out about like the split and then listened to Enslaved. Um, but it's just, I think just, there's no other band out there that has had such an amazing progression. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, they're just, they're the best. They rule. Do you start the, um, the rundown? Let's do it. Of, uh, oh, I was going to say quickly, like, so the main two guys in the band, is um, Grutler Kjelson and Ivar Bjornsson. That's right, isn't it? It's I Kjelson. think that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm always torn between Ivar and Ivar, but um, I, think they were, I think they were saying Ivar in the documentary. I think I heard them say both. Yeah. <laughs> I think I heard Ivar or Ivar say both, so yeah. I think they just kind of, whatever. I think I, I like Ivar, sounds stronger. Yeah, sounds but good. Yeah, apparently, Grutler isn't his real name. It's a stage name, I believe. But Grutler means rock and Ivar means spear, which is cool. Because that just makes their even their names sound like they're from enslaved song lyrics. Yeah, um, it's um, and I think it's worth noting just how insanely young they were when they started the band oh, as well. Course, like I yeah. think, I think <laughs> I was, was like, like 12? twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like and it's just oh, just watching the documentary and seeing the pictures of like a literal child. Yeah, <laughs> in a black so metal wild. band like yeah. touring like and they told the story. I don't know if you watched the full documentary about them yeah. touring Mexico, and it just sounded so grim like they're oh in so many gosh. shady situations oh. and they're these literal teenagers you know yeah. from this and Jesus. you know when you watch the documentary and um it shows you a lot of the places where they grew up and a lot of them, like i remember um one was just this beautiful vista of this mountain and like oh, yeah i can't remember what town it was i should have made a note of that or maybe yeah. i did feather in it's funny i memorized all the shit first time around and now it's just all out my head yeah but... so yeah we're <laughs> just gonna completely just freestyle but it's um i remember thinking like no wonder 
the the fucking music is so stunning and the melodies are so beautiful. Like when you've grown up in an area like I mean Norway just looks visually so stunning as a country anyway. Like you know, especially the more rural parts. Yeah, and I, I was thinking this and like it, the the thing that really struck me about watching that documentary and and um was that nothing's really changed where they grew up. Yeah. So I'm sure if you go to like the big cities in Norway, I'm sure things are kind of fairly industrial and change and mix up and all this kind of stuff. But the areas where they grew up and where they came from, everything's still there. Like the school that they went to is still the same schoolhouse yeah. and all the same buildings and the people they knew growing up, all this kind of stuff, all the, the venues they first went to. Whereas obviously like if you come from London, everything's been fucking torn down. Everything has yeah. been removed and replaced. And you know, you kind of have these like dim memories of your life growing up, but everything <laughs> yeah. about London just is like a horrific mutating, changing machine. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, it makes it that much harder to kind of be like, Oh, London's so great. You know, I know there's definitely like a lot of people but like coming from here. I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah so I'd rather be somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> if I, really, yeah. it's not that great. No, you, you know, you're a hundred percent right. And like, you know, I think London has a charm to it and mm. like, it's definitely always the place to be for gigs and shit, just cause it's always the place that bands visited. Yeah. And sure. around. But like, so it's great in that regard, but yeah, totally. Like it is visually very uninspiring. Like a lot of the architecture, even the good architecture, is just housed above like these temporary tourist shops that are the only places that can afford the temporary rent. Right. So it's like, you know, I mean, you go around central London now, it's just a ghost and a shadow of its former self. Yeah. And, and obviously there's like the support of the arts in that documentary. They're talking about how, um, there's a lot of uh, government funding and obviously uh, recently you and Nina were both talking to Callum who was talking about how the Scot Scottish government are, are kind of investing yeah. in the arts and actually kind of doing what they can to kind of, um, you know, uh, work on culture, but obviously the Tories are completely destroying that and dismantling it in the UK because yeah. they just want us to be a soulless nation of fucking idiots who are just ignorant yeah. and racist rather than, you know, happy. Yeah. <laughs> they want everyone fighting each other. So yeah, that yeah. really sucks. And um, that's another really great, amazing thing that will probably come up again multiple times with Enslaved is that I can't fucking stand a lot of black metal because a lot of them are racist dickheads. Yeah. And I just have no interest whatsoever if someone's just going to be going around thinking they're genetically superior and all this fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, whereas Enslaved, vocally, a lot of their music is about finding common ground with people who are different from you and about, like, you know, unify. And it's like, it's, you know, I guess like you could even look at a lot of their stuff is about, like, Norwegian folk tales and stuff like yeah. that. And it's, you know, you could look at it from an angle of, as being overtly nationalistic, which yeah. it is, yeah. but it's not like you know national socialists you know yeah. it's not you know it's not this kind of like we're so fucking great because we're norwegian and we're better than you yeah you know it's kind of like this is our culture and we and it was really interesting watching the documentary how they were saying that growing up like they don't really get taught about no about all the stuff and you just imagine growing up here you're like yeah of course they do you know they've got yeah. such a rich history yeah so there's that other element where they're just trying to kind of keep the stories they were told growing up alive as well which is really interesting. And that's why they've won like a million Norwegian Grammys, right? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's great how Norway has that appreciation for like the, even something like extreme metal and stuff. It's, mm. um, I remember in the documentary, actually, he was saying, uh, Gru Grutler was saying that, um, that the, uh, he kind of summed it up perfectly, similar to what you were just saying, that um, when they were growing up, um, he always yearns to be educated in other cultures and learned what it was like for other people in other parts of the world because he felt like 
he was able to embrace his own culture by knowing the similarities and what had happened in other parts of the world. Mm. So it's not like he was, because the thing is, the interesting thing about enslaved, I think, is the fact that they are quite well connected to a lot of the people that were involved in the second wave black metal yeah. scene, especially with the whole church burning things. Yeah. Like he, I've always saying, like he was friends with Euronymous. And, yeah. um, and, and it's interesting because I felt like a lot of the people involved in that part of the scene had uh, almost like a tunnel vision <laughs> in the approach to how they wanted to preserve <coughs> their kind of like the, their old Norse uh, heritage. Whereas like, I felt like enslaved one of the few bands who basically saw how narrow minded it was and decided that you know the right way to do it was to even expand their sound mm. and it's totally reflected in the music like yeah. the music is i know they're big fans of like you know you can hear the 70s influence the pink floyd and albums like isa <laughs> and you know even to be honest even going as far back as like monumentation like the album yeah. before uh, below the lights even had like some of those elements in it but it was like um but you know you listen to just their entire discography after that and it's just they've totally added so many elements from so many different musical styles yeah. in a way that sounds organic and holistic and it doesn't sound you know kind of hackneyed it's yeah. it, it sounds legit well i think as well like what you're hearing is like they're not afraid you know like um you like i'm pretty sure like varg vikerns like fucking talks a lot of shit about enslaved i'm pretty sure i read that that he was like having to go at them for being like pussies because they weren't involved they weren't interested in getting involved in all that kind of shit but like it's so clear that they just saw it as just all the bollocks it yeah. was because they like all they cared about was music right yeah yeah so they all they cared about was playing gigs and playing music and yeah. they just weren't poses like everyone else you know yeah. what i mean that was the difference is that they were so real and that's why they're still doing the yeah. same stuff today years and years later because it's like their whole life yeah. it's, all, it's all, all they ever wanted to do ever since they were kids and it's still all they want to do yeah and it's it's it was really wholesome seeing how supportive like their parents and stuff were of oh, them in the it. documentary, and it's just like yeah. it's just I just don't really feel like you kind of well maybe you, you don't it's not well in the UK I feel like where I grew up in London anyway I don't feel like there was a metal scene I really yeah. like where particularly where I was from sort of southeast um, it was like the home of dubstep and a lot of garage and stuff yeah. and it was predominantly what a lot of people were into and i do enjoy like that music as yeah, well I, I, but I, like, I like i like hip-hop i tend the problem is i tend to like american stuff like urban urban like to use a kind of very yeah. hackneyed white word for you know yeah. but like in terms of like hip-hop rap stuff like that i just i don't know why but i've just always hated the uk component of it yeah. i've just always much preferred like the whole east coast west coast like yeah, yeah. But I'm kind of the same with metal in a weird way. I like I, there's so many American bands that yeah. I'm like so into, like especially in the death metal scene. But it's uh, the interesting thing uh, I was going to say as well was talking about, you were talking about like, kind of like the urban environment of, of London and how it could just be kind of suffocating at times. I always had that kind of weird contrast with my parents being from Scotland. So in the summer, we would always go up to Scotland and sometime up to the mm. Highlands. And I feel like Scotland as a country has probably got more kinship with the Scandinavian countries oh, yeah, totally. than it does England because there's a lot of similarities Absolutely. there. And um, it's probably easier to understand Scandinavian <laughs> people speaking English uh, than, than a lot of Scottish people speaking English yeah. for, for non-Scotch, non-Scots. I, I think um, being, being around like trap and all that kind of stuff growing up for me, it was just like too fucking real. Because like yeah. I just grew up around so many people in shitty situations, were put in bad situations, bad social situations. Yeah. You know, had no opportunity to kind of help themselves get out of it, were getting treated badly because of who they were, all that kind of stuff. So... So like hear music about it as well is like oh god life is just like bad enough 
yeah. you know like, <laughs> is that yeah. but yeah I'm, I'm so jealous i would have loved to go to scotland for like the summers and stuff that yeah. sounds so sick it was great and like it really isn't as cold as people make it out to be and it is like when the weather is like on point it's an absolutely stunning beautiful country and it's uh, what you were saying just there actually reminds me of that um that iced tea quote because i think he was saying you know when he started body count mm. he was talking about how um you know, for a lot of metal bands that are like more fantasy themed and stuff, like you know, it it goes well with with those particular kind of subgenres of metal. But for him, like you know, the real like sort of demons were like the demons of the street and yeah. like gun violence and stuff and like and, and police violence. Yeah, and it was just I think that's why it works so well for a band like Enslaved as well because they they're not trying to be anything they're not. Yeah, and, I mean they've been interested in what they've been writing about since they were kids. Yeah. And just totally like held so steadfast to what it is they want to write music about, and and it just it just shows in the authenticity of the music. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, we move on to the first album we're going to cover today, which is Below the Lights, which I have has been released in two thousand and three. Well, we both got that at least. Yeah, May nineteenth, two thousand and three. Yeah, let's just go with your dates because mine yeah. are all different. <laughs> yeah, Metal Archives is never wrong. <laughs> right, so. Um, this album opens with, in my opinion, uh, one of my favorite enslaved tracks of all time. Uh, as fire swept clean the earth. As I said, as fire slept queen. Slept, slept queen, queen the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that five times fast. <laughs> but it's, um, it was actually probably one of the first um, enslaved tracks I ever listened to where like, the melody of the track just really pierced what felt like my soul in a way oh, that a lot of music doesn't really do. Like It's yeah. just... And I don't know if it was the... Because um, this is the first album that has Ice Dale, right? It is. Yeah. So Ice Dale is the, uh, currently the um, lead guitarist of the band. Um, and probably one of the longest serving men- members after the, uh, the yeah, founders. Yeah, must be, right? Now yeah, Kato's going so, her yeah. brand. Like Ice Dale must be third behind everyone of the other guys. And, um, and I think his addition to the band is just so significant. Because I think having his... Because he seems... Uh, a lot more kind of virtuosic in his style, mm. like and and classically trained. Whereas when you watch the documentary, you find out that you know like the Ivar and Grutler's like um, you know their musicianship skills was just totally self-taught and kind of rudimentary, and they've just kind of been developing it as they've been getting older. Whereas I think I still came to into the band when he was already quite a prominent mm. musician, Good, yeah. and I think just the combination of his, his searing leads. With like with just Ivo's like expert like musicianship and, and song composition is just the I think that's why this is a good album to start with because it's such a magic formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is the first time because I really like the album before Monumentation that you mentioned earlier, um, and it has a lot of excellent um, like parts. I, all of like you said, all their records have good parts. They're a good band. Everything they've released is, is nothing is like just trash. It's like it's not like that, but. Yeah, like you said, this is the first time where they're enslaved. As Fire Swept Clean the Earth is like, I think that's like a really perfect... If someone was like, I've never heard Enslaved, like what's a good Enslaved track? Like, yeah. can you go much better than As Fire Slept Queen? I'm, I'm doing it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as Fire Slept Queen the Earth uh, is really like great, yeah. It's because it's, it's not too long either. And I think structure wise, it makes sense because it's not because if you I would even say if somebody asked me, oh, recommend me in the slave song. I felt like if I gave them something like uh, Thoughts Like Hammers or Roots of the Mountain, they might even put them off a bit because they're quite long in length. Yeah. Whereas I feel like this is quite a great introduction because it's got all the key components. 
Mind you, there's no Herb brand, is there? There's there no is brand. no Herb. That's He's a on very, this record, very but good point. I don't think he really sing. He doesn't really sing on this record, does he? It's as far as I'm aware, no. Because he kind um, of sings on Issa, and then I think he sings on Issa, but his vocals like really pulled back. And, and then he said I think Ted Rune... from um, uh, Nocturnal Cult oh, from yeah, um, wait, yeah, that's, Dark Throne. That's Issa. That's not well, this yeah. record, though, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah, because this album, it doesn't have, because the only clean vocals, because you've got um, Grootler's vocals in Havenless, right? Where he's doing like the kind of chanting and stuff. It sounds like Sabaton done right, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, oh, it's just such a fantastic album. Uh, Havenless is another one of those tracks where the first time I saw them play that live, I was just blown brilliant. away. Because they bring out that fucking, I don't even know what it's called that they used I, I to play I guess it's, on. I think it's a synth. It's a, I think it's just an old, like, uh, like hardware synth. I think that's what it was. It's the, yeah, it is. Because it's the one he's had for decades, that Ivor's had oh, for decades. Because yeah. he was saying that in the documentary. Oh, yeah, because it's had the patches, like, still built in from the album. And he's, like, yeah, playing yeah. them, right? Yeah. But it's um, yeah, it was... and then Ivar like yeah, because Grutler doesn't play bass on that; he plays that weird synth. And then Ivar randomly plays a seven-string guitar just <laughs> for that song. Yeah, no other song. Well, the thing is, you would have saw this performed live as well, right? At yeah, the yeah, Underworld we both show. Saw it. Yeah, the twenty-fifth um, anniversary celebration gigs for. Which was an amazing set of gigs, by the way. And for those that that, that didn't attend them, it was three gigs on three consecutive nights. Shout out nights. to anyone that made it to those gigs. Me and Floyd were there. We would have been. <laughs> And it was, um, I've got to give a shout out to the, the guy that was, that was hecking the band the on the second shout night. Shout out to the Italian. I'll, I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> but the first night was great because that was all the old material. And they opened with 793. <laughs> so Battle of Lindisfarne, which Did is... they do all of the, like, all the dungeon oh, sims. Oh, oh yeah, all like the shit all in the, the beginning. Thing, that, that was like the <laughs> intro. And then it was like the full, like, almost 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was amazing. And I was me, just like... Me I need to just... listen to it in the car today. And... Uh... Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, damn, it'd be really cool to hear this properly. Oh, it was <laughs> it'd be so, so good. good yeah. I was like, I was standing directly in front of Icedale's crotch. Um, <laughs> and like, was he wearing the leather trousers? He was wearing the leather I trousers. I fucking love Icedale. And I was man. just like, fuck He's it. So I, was cool. like, I was like, so and then at one point, he was like fucking <laughs> ripping it and he was like thrusting his crotch in my face. He's so and sick. I was like, I fucking love this. Um, <laughs> He's just got this bulging, oiled six pack. <laughs> And this long hair. He's so handsome and he's so fucking... Pretty he's ripped got, as well. Like, yeah, he's, he's ripped as yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's just always wearing these leather trousers. He's so oh. cool. But it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a cool one, one, one of the highlights of my life. But it was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, such a great set. But of that set life? was focused around the early material. Mm. And what was so great about it, I'm going to diver- di- diverge a little bit and talk about mm. my experiences with them live. What was so great about that set was you got to hear some of the tracks from the earlier albums that had a more rustic... Uh, production mm. kind of brought in with the modern enslaved lineup and it was really um, cool to listen to like you know like Fenris Loki or the tracks from Frost and just hearing like you know her brand and Kato add their you know touches to it you know what I had a really interesting thought watching that documentary and it's something that I kind of forgot um until watching that documentary for a long time because obviously today we li- we we listen to all of our music like digitally whether it's on our like phones or yeah streaming for a laptop or whatever you know um but what a lot of people obviously used to listen to things on you know every house uh, like everyone had like a big stereo right everyone yeah. had those things where it was like a vinyl on top and then cassette they de- you know cassette decks and then they'd have like a cd spinner yeah 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 and the thing i realized and thought about was the fact that every time you know every household that had one of those things they all had a f- um like five ten band eqs on them yeah. Right. So it would have been really normalized for people to adjust the EQ. So if you had a tinny ass recording, you could just drop the 
It yeah. would have been super normal for people to be like, oh, this sounds a bit tinny. I'm going to drop the treble and boost the bass a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of thought about that and I was like, oh, I guess that's like, there must be so many old records like that where the mixing was a bit crap. But you, most people, it would have been really kind of pretty kind of standard to do that. I yeah, guess. yeah, fuck. I totally like never really thought about that before. I, had. I don't know if that's really the case because I wasn't really consuming music, but I do definitely know from growing up that you know, every house you went to had those things and they pretty much all had EQs on the front. Yeah, we had like an Iowa sound system, which I think Iowa were part of the Sony um, yeah, yeah. brand, but like, yeah, but they had the EQ things on it and yeah, if something sounded a bit shit, yeah. you would just fuck about with it yeah, until it sounded all right. It, yeah. and you're like, okay, cool, yeah. yeah to- I totally, you just unlocked a core memory in me. Yeah, there. it's interesting, yeah, isn't it? I just yeah. forgot that existed. But yeah, it's um, and it's it's funny. Like I was mean to ask you because like they they do always say that if you want to know how good a record is, you got to listen to it in a car. Oh, it's true. Yeah. No, because there's 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 like car speaker systems are like specially balanced to be completely flat. Yeah. Whereas if you listen to, so if you listen to like music on um like a TV, like a lot of it it will be it will be there will be an artificial EQ in the TV which yeah. will kind of make it sound better because when in Lowen when we were doing the first demos I didn't drive right at the start of the band I kind of got my driving license and my first car a bit into the band and I remember with some of the first demos we did I would listen back to them through the tv yeah and I'd be like these are so sick these are so great but then when I came to listen to them on something else they wouldn't be as great and I couldn't understand it you know it was quite funny but yeah then I took and then once they got the car it was just like oh yeah it's it's perfect because if you if you have like a demo and you listen to it in a car speaker and the bass is too loud, well, you know, you've got to turn the bass down. Yeah. You yeah. know, but yeah, that's, and that's for that reason. Like I don't really use EQ on like Spotify or anything when I'm listening to music in the car, because it yeah. really kind of brings out a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. That's fair. I will say as well for the record, um, enslaved as perfect car music. I remember when we had it, we had a long drive up to damnation this year. It was about five hours. We drove up from Kent and, um, and I was like in charge of the playlist. And I must say, I think I do some pretty good playlists. I'm sure you do, yeah. Um, and like I put Roots of, the, Roots of the Mountain on there and I was just like fucking out. And it was just as the sun was setting as well. Ah, I was just like, dude. ah, this is so sick. Dude. And I, I was just saying to everybody, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to save, I'll save my bit for later yeah. on talking about her brand. But anyway, so, so anyway, back to the gig. So that was the first gig, oh, yeah. which was at the Dome. Um, second gig was at the Underworld, which you were at the Underworld one, yeah. right? Yeah, and I skipped the, the first one because I just didn't, I just, I just knew that I think with the Underworld gig, I think that uh, I think the records went from Mardram. I think it was like Mardram, Monumentation. It was like up to In Times, I want to say. Yeah, no. I wish I could have pulled up the um, the list, what do you call it? Yeah, the, the, of how the albums are uh, split. But I'm pretty sure it was like the second one. The, but there was still some old stuff in there, and I just knew that if I went to the first one, I was like, well, I'm not going to know any of the songs. And I was already going yeah. to the other two. I kind of wish I'd gone now because just for the spectacle of it. And like you said, now yeah. I. Now I have spent some time with those other records. It would have been really sick to... I, I honestly didn't even really think about that yeah. when I was, you know, about when I was thinking about going. Because I think they definitely played Convoys to Nothingness at the Underworld gig. So they definitely played a track from Monumention. Uh, yeah, I think they might um, I think they played Voices as well. Yeah, yeah. Because that yeah. riff is so just... Yeah. yeah, it just sticks in your head. I'm pretty sure they played that too. That was... Yeah, oh, the band's such a... I was such a riff machine. They couldn't play Issa because they were... There was a fucking about fucking, setting up Havenless. There was a sh- no, 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 it wasn't that. There was oh, this was fucking club night for fucking. It was some emo night afterwards. Oh, <laughs> so no they way. never got to play Issa. Oh, I so, was so heartbroken. Because I remember they, they cut the set short and they had that guy, the Italian guy, heckling them. Enslaved. But at the most inappropriate time, like, do you know what I mean? Oh. Like, when the song finishes, make all the noise you want. It but, like, during so like a obnoxious. quiet bit, I'm just like, 
But he was clearly doing it to be annoying. Yeah. And he was doing it in an irritating voice. Even the band was staring at him like, what the fuck is this <laughs> guy doing? The fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, like, what the fuck? And they kind of laughed at first, but then it just wasn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. But it's... Uh, anyway. But back to the album <laughs> yeah. itself. Yes. Yeah, so I'm over that. I didn't. Oh, what's your thoughts on the album? <laughs> um, on, the, on this one? On, Below uh, the Lights. <laughs> Below the Lights. I, I love it. I still listen to it a lot. Um, yeah, I was going to say about Havenless is um, one thing that's really... Um, cool is that me and nina went on holiday once and we met a, a wonderful group of norwegian guys and we all went to like a big meal with all, all different people but this bunch of norwegian guys came to this like big meal with a lot of people we met and it was one of their birthdays and we got to witness um norwegian people singing happy birthday and yeah. it was it basically sounds like Havenless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And it's like, yeah, it just makes happy birthday seem like the lamest shit in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, we've got this tripe pathetic song and they're just doing this. Shit. And it's like, there's so much gravity yeah. in the way they were singing these songs. And there's so much mirth and companionship and yeah. trust and love and brotherly, like brotherlyhood and, and like this, and there's that thing with Havenless, and it is such a unique song within their discography because it doesn't really sound like an enslaved song. But no. there's also something so quintessentially enslaved about it. Like you can yeah. understand that the mood of that song is something that it makes sense for them to explore yeah. at the same time. But yeah, if they did songs like that all the time, they'd be like Fin Troll or something. But yeah, it's and that's the thing. You know, they 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 diverge every now and again and throw in like a couple of curveballs. But like you know, it's. That's kind of what's great about them. You never know what you're going to get with an album. Yeah. Um, and there's always some element you think, wow, even on the newer albums, I'm like, wow, didn't expect that. Yeah, and, totally. And it just sounds, and it still sounds like quintessentially enslaved. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, they're, they're one of the few bands that, that, that encompass, I even hate to use the term, but they have elements of what would some people would describe as Viking metal. Yeah. Right? But do it in a way that isn't just really kind of derivative well you want to know something great um i i heard i've heard a bunch of people say it i think it's actually a thing i i don't use it myself but there's a term norse core norse core <laughs> yeah and it's actually pretty there's like it's to do with like the way like chords are played and stuff like that but i think enslaved is like very norse core norse core so they're yeah. a core band they're, they're, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i'll see them at outbreak there's festival yeah, yeah, yeah after outbreak, uh... yeah oh god but yeah, it's um, yeah. What a great I think start to like the uh, the second year of Enslaved. Yeah. Uh, so we move on to uh, Isa, which I've got being released on October twenty fifth, two thousand and four. Sure, so I've just... got first of November two thousand. <laughs> pretty close. Like we said, we must. Found. They must be different country releases or something like that. So this is this is a strange one for me because it's probably the album that I'm most readily familiar with, having listened to it a few times since finding out it was one of your more uh, preferred enslaved albums and i forgot how great a track lunar force was i just love oh, the melodies dude, in it it's um, so beautiful so many great tracks bounded by allegiance um the last track Neo Genesis. oh neo <laughs> such a fucking navigating absolute. by the fires that's that should be, should be so cheesy but it's so sick and it's like you that's like again you can really see the 70s influence there yeah with these like vocal melodies and the way they're sung and stuff it's fantastic but this is, yeah, you're absolutely right, because this is an interesting point. So obviously, this is her brand's first proper album, right? The keyboarders slash oh, vocalist, or kind you know, of? I kind of feel like that bit of Neo Genesis. I wonder if that's, I guess it could be her brand, because like you said, he is on this record. But I uh, I always wondered if that was actually Grudler. Yeah. Because the, the 
there's something about the way it's sung which sounds so different to her brand. Yeah. But I, like it could just be that he hadn't found his legs yet with how he wanted to sing in the band. Yeah. It's totally possible. Oh, this um we didn't this is actually the first album with uh Kato Beckerfold as well. Yeah. He wasn't on the last one, which is really interesting because the drum performance on this is so weird. The the performance is great, sorry. The 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 way it's captured, it sounds like it sounds like a machine. It sounds like a robot that's like rusting and broken and falling apart. Yeah. This the drum sound is horrible, but there's something so unique about it. Yeah. Uh, it's yes. really artificial and strange and lifeless. Yeah. But I love it as well and I wouldn't change it for the world. Like yeah. I did, I think the songs would sound amazing with like properly recorded drums, but there's something so interesting about the weird way in which it's captured. And I really can't put my finger on it. Well, I think that's why... Do you know what? It's interesting because I think that's why initially this album um, didn't really gel too well for me because I feel like this is... Well, up until very recently with Kato and her brand uh, leaving the band, mm. um, this was um, the first time that that um, era of Enslaved were recording an album and I felt like there was a lot of elements that were still beginning to gel together. Yeah, right. So, like, it created something that was totally interesting and kind of out there because I would say it's in essence a bit of a concept album because they've got like the thing with the, the the tracks kind of running into each other and stuff and um so and yeah you're totally right with things like the drums and i think with her brand's uh keys um you know there's a distinct kind of 70s influence there which was always kind of prominent but i felt like that was really kind of amped up and brought into the fold in this album yeah and it was just this weird it was almost like a big bang sort yeah. of effect where it's yeah. just like this this year enslaved got together and it created this big bang explosion yeah which resulted in this album but then ended up filtering out into more maybe refined mm, albums yeah definitely but like but there's something just still kind of magical about this album because this was like the genesis of it yeah so neo genesis <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know what's interesting is they have like a full-time keyboard player in the band which is obviously something they decided on early like way before her brand joined the band because from watching that documentary it seems like pretty early on I've yeah. always like I want there to be key textures yeah. in there, yeah. but you're never going to be like. But Enslaved have never really sounded like a, you know, like like Dimu, no, no. like or you know they don't have that symphonic thing. No, that's no. that's not them. It's like it is. It's a layer, yeah. and it's it's um you know I think a lot of black a lot of black metal is really kind of reliant on like reverb for trying to cover you know because obviously a lot of black metal is about creating atmosphere. And it's a lot about, you know, a lot of tremolo pick notes. It's a lot about the kind of space you create. And a lot of yeah. that is done with effects processing. You know, and most of the time, black metal bands don't have uh, keyboard players. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how a lot of it's done. The vocals as well. A lot of reverb on the vocals and stuff like that. But that's, you know, but Enslaved, apart from early stuff, like a lot of this stuff, when they move into this kind of era that we're covering, it's yeah. not really uh, reverb-soaked vocals. No, no. It's a lot of it is quite clean and more popular. Quite dry. Quite dry. Yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, like they're definitely processed, but they're not. Yeah, they're not soaking everything in cathedral reverb like most black metal bands. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more thought given to melody and obviously singing as they progress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, instead you get this thing where they use the keyboards as they use a lot of um Mellotron, yeah, synth, like synth patches, which is obviously like Mellotron. I'm sure most people know it was like a um like a a synth in the 60s 70s 60s yeah it was like late 60s, 60s hmm? yeah. organ synth yeah it was basically they recorded samples onto tape 
And when they when you pressed a key on the synthesizer, it would play a very short loop of this tape. Yeah. But because it was tape, the tape would heat up and the temperature and stuff and it would wobble. Yeah. So it has this weird kind of like yeah, kind yeah. of sound to it. And back in the day, they didn't have synths. They didn't have keyboards that you could yeah. just press. They had pianos, but yeah. you couldn't just, you know, they, and obviously they didn't want to just get a string quartet or whatever. And every time they need a string. So it was the first way to try and make that more obtainable. Yeah. Um, but that weird of the sound is what is so beautiful about it and yeah. we use that in blowing as well <laughs> like yeah. i have a guitar pedal that does it because i just love that sound so much and yeah. it's a very you know the start the album before as fire slept swept to clean the earth. A fucking tongue twister that <laughs> one i never have had a problem with it until today but yeah the very first note you hear on that album is a mellotron patch it's like this it's this mellotron strings it's the same yeah. thing and, and again like it's all the way through it, the it it's the lifeblood of isa yeah. It's the reason, and there's a lot of, um, they do this amazing thing. I can't remember, I can't remember if it's, the, like, I can't remember if it's a transition between two songs or, like, a bit of a bridge in one song. But, you know, there's that bit where there's, like, that... It's like, um, it's almost like a seaside kind of hurdy-gurdy kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Um, and it's it's done with this, like, telephone EQ. So all yeah. the bass and the high end is taken out, and it's just... the And it's, like, there's something so weird about it. When yeah. you're hearing it, it's like it's like half forgotten memories from your childhood or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's yeah. what I really love about this album is it just puts you in you know, and you were saying about um uh Lunar Force, like the whole melody for that song just feels like a grey day where it's raining and you're looking out the window and you're 100%. playing lazily on a piano yeah. and it's like you're kind of looking back absentmindedly over your lo- there's like something so oh my bad discover audible <laughs> there's something so kind of like it's not passionate but it's thoughtful kind of forlorn almost forlorn yeah. it's, but it's not sad it's just yeah. there and it's just like yeah I don't know, it just makes you feel alive because it just resonates with those small parts of your life that you can't really describe. It's kind of dreamlike. Dreamlike, yeah. Like and that's you, you know, you have those dreams sometimes where you dream of a familiar place. Yeah, it's like and a daydream, deja vu. And, it, and vu, it's fading. Yeah. Like, the longer you're awake, it just it fades from your consciousness. Yeah. And you don't remember it until you have a similar dream again. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly what a lot of enslaved music is yeah. kind of like, especially these, I think, those first couple of albums. As they yeah. get, as they get, they, um, they get heavier and more groove-oriented as the the canon kind of progresses yeah but that that is definitely an element that is like always there for me yeah i think it's a really important album as well just for the uh, not only for the band but just for uh, the scene in general because i think it does prove kind of what you were touching on a bit with the whole you know the tropes of black metal are very much still the tropes that are prominent in the scene today Mm. whereas Enslaved were similarly like opeth one of those bands that decided to not be confined by a lot of those elements and totally just took the bowl and ran with it and, and just started doing their own thing. Yeah. But there's still elements of the music that are still somewhat rooted in that black metal sound, but there's so much more than that now. Yeah. While still being so heavily connected to the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like you said, like you mentioned, I think briefly earlier, this album has a bath sings backing vocals on Lunar Force and uh, Nocturno Colto from Dark Throne sings backing vocals on Issa and Bounded by Allegiance. Yeah. So they were calling in, they're kind of mates. But so yeah. this this is the thing. They're kind of transitioning out of being in that scene. Yeah. And this is the, they're still kind of in the tail end, right? I mean, I yeah. guess, I mean, I say it sounds probably a bit stupid because this is their like eighth album. Yeah. And it was like the guy from, 
Is it Mayhem? What was his name? Not Mayhem. Was it Mayhem? What was the guy that made yep. them say you should call yourselves and slaves? That was Demon Az from Immortal. Demon Immortal, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he took credit for everything, didn't he? He, he was did, just like, yeah. he was oh, like, I came up with the name Enslaved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for me, this band wouldn't yeah. exist. You'd never have heard of them. Oh, bless them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they've got so many contemporaries in the scene that they're still, and Immortal, another one of those bands that kind of like, kind of broke the confines of the genre in the way that, you know, they're a band that didn't, never took themselves too seriously, sort of like, thematically oh, really? yeah yeah like a mortar totally like you watch some of those early music videos and it's just like you can tell they're just having a fucking laugh oh okay i didn't yeah. really know that i remember all is it storm of the lights bane that's is dissection that... dissection so yeah that, well, well oh, okay and dissections the band where the singer was like fucked up and he like killed someone then killed himself right he i, I think he did kill someone served time came out he released the dissections third album Rain Chaos or Rhine Chaos, I've heard it pronounced two different ways, yeah. and then um, it kind of got critically shot on, and then he killed himself. Damn. Yeah. But like the first two albums, so like the Somberlin yeah. and Storm of the Lights Bane, well, are regarded like you know blueprints yeah, of like because yeah. the, the, so th- these friends that gave me all these CDs and gave me the Enslaved one were like gave me Storm of the Lights Bane, yeah, and I just laughed my, I thought I hated it, I thought it was garbage, yeah, because there's there's one of the songs and he's like, oh praise you, great void dragon, or something. <laughs> I was like, this fucking sucks. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, and then I found out he like killed a gay guy, and I was just like, fuck this bad. I don't think he was the one that killed the gay guy. I'm not sure. He, I read about it. I looked it. Oh, up was it? Okay, well, fair enough. This the guy from this band is uh, there's a there's a picture of um, Vince, not Vince, um, Dave, Evil Dave, from, oh, Evil Dave, yeah. um, Morbid Angel, yeah, and oh, and he's like a kid, and he's yeah. a kid, yeah, yeah, and it's the guy from Dissection, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah, John Nodfit, yeah, yeah, that guy, because it's him as a kid, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool that he was in this picture, and then he was in a, ba- a big band, then I googled his band, and I was like, oh, actually, fuck this guy, yeah, yeah, and I read about it, yeah, he's not a great dude. Yeah, and it's and it's funny as well because like obviously it, it it's a testament I think to Enslaved's character how they were able to escape all the bullshit at that scene because obviously yeah. the first few albums they had um, they had Trim on drums obviously um, I think Ivor was um, uh, good friends childhood friends with yeah, Trim Torson what they call me it seems like Johnny or Johnny Kai I think they refer to him that's as. it because I didn't yeah <laughs> yeah because it's it cuts to him and he's got like emperor on his drum head and he's got an emperor hat and like an emperor hoodie or something. Yeah. he's like everything is emperor he's decked yeah. out and they're like oh johnny kai johnny kai oh shit that's trim trim yeah yeah but um but yeah i mean obviously and obviously they had ties with emperor and obviously faust from emperor obviously convicted for killing uh the gay guy as well so like you know there's so much bullshit and just around that scene and just like horrific crimes committed and enslaved were just always committed to the music. And I think you got oh, to commend them for that. Cause they're literally from Bergen, aren't they? I think some of them were. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm I think. pretty sure. Like yeah. that's where the band started. So that's to come from the actual town where all that stuff's rooted and not be dragged into it. They must've yeah. been really kind of, I mean, maybe age was on their side to be fair. Cause I remember them saying that, um, that they, you know, they had to get permission from their parents to oh, do right. most things. Cause it was just that fucking young. Yeah, I mean, maybe like, you know, so it, yeah. they probably just weren't allowed to, I mean, I'm not saying that's the sole reason why they weren't involved, but yeah. I mean, it might I mean, it's still a great. Bit. They didn't get like fucking mind washed, but like by fucking dickhead from Burzum. Varg. Varg. Yeah. But yeah. it's still great that, they didn't get like wrapped up in all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, it's uh, back to the album. Yeah. Oh, the point you when you were talking about like how like the, the, the some of the more uh, finer details on the production of the album, like it was so cool to see like Ivor's setup, and it still looks so oh, fucking basic today. It is so trash, I love it. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, that is like a true musician's musician. Yeah, like, it's so like cool. Setup. He's got a shitty little table. And the way everything's just set up, it looks so horrible. There's just gear everywhere. I love it. There's fucking kids are running around upstairs. It's so cool. Yeah. And you can just tell. And he's like, yeah. And I really love that. How he was saying like his family goes to bed at night and then he just sits and and works on music and and stuff. And that's like. Just writes some of the best riffs ever. Yeah. Just ever. Yeah. Amazing. Should we move on to the next album? Rune. So this is, uh, we're getting close here to uh, some of my top enslaved albums. Like this one is very, very near the top. Um, I was actually, just to go back to a, a live story. So when they were doing the, the three shows in London, the second show at the Underworld, uh, they played Fusion of Sense and Earth. Yeah. And I think the first time I heard that live, I, I, I pretty much lost my shit. Like <laughs> when, the, when like, the main riff comes back in with like the halftime drums, like yeah. it just sounds so fucking like so easy to headbang to. Just a da na 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 so good. But just as an out, oh, just such a great album. I feel like um, this still, even though we're still as an album, this is still quite early on in the current um, uh, incarnation of Enslaved. Mm. To me, this still sounds like one of the most complete albums. Absolutely, I think this. I would. I would argue this is the first it fully formed feeling enslaved album. I love these of, of the, the the legendary lineup. Like I really love um, Below the Lights and Issa, but like there's something about Rune where it just feels a little bit more put together. Yeah, a little bit like they spent a little bit more time on it, a little bit thought out. It's the first time her brand's vocals really start to come to the the fore. Yeah, as an extra element, and that's obviously like for me, as you said. Previously, me and you are both huge Herbrand Larson stands. Yeah. We just absolutely adore him. His voice literally makes me cry. But it, it's, <laughs> it's such a contrast because like, I feel like Grutal, Grutler, keep saying Brutal, Brutal, <laughs> Brutal Truth. But um, keep saying he, um, that's my South London coming through there, just, just uh, an absolute refusal to pronounce any T's. Grutal. Yeah, I drive, but. I drive Nina mad. <laughs> water. Water. <laughs> a, a glass water. of water. <laughs> but it's, um, I will say that Grutler as a vocalist is an amazing harsh vocalist, right? He has got like his, like the, the raspiness, his enunciation. You can hear what he's saying, like the pitch, everything is said with such like scorn and passion. It's and fantastic. that combined with Herbrand's vocals, which like a very fucking like they're, they're not powerful, but they're very like melancholic and soulful and kind of reserved. But they can be powerful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's you're right though. But for the most part, they're it's quite not, reserved. Yeah, they are, and that's kind of their power at the same time. It's yeah. so hard to explain. But yeah, absolutely. He's not. They're not the most powerful vocals in the world. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. But he's one of my favorite vocalists ever. So good. And I think you were telling me when you watched the uh, uh, that kid from, uh, was it? Uh, I, was literally, I, I was literally looking because I said, there's a note of it. I think it's on a later was album. Is it Little Punk People? Or uh, I found interviewed? it. Um, I know the kid's name yeah, was Yeah, it was Elliot. around the time they released Retir. Ivar does an interview, interview, sorry. Interview. With Little, pu- Little Punk People on YouTube <laughs> and the host Elliot Fulham describes Enslaved as he says your singers sound like a good god and an evil god clashing with each other 
And I just thought that was one such a brilliant description of how enslaved sound. It's so true. They sound yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. They sound yeah. like two um, um, like deities. They sound like yeah. they're kind of detached from the 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 the, dre the dregs of human existence. Yeah, they transcend that. There's something really like that. And um, and you know, in the interview. Ivar is like, well, that's very like, that's a very astute observation, absolutely, and that's something we play off of. And he said that um, they're kind of very aware of that and they write with that in mind. Um, but he said that they kind of purposefully sometimes have, like, her brand will say, like, the, he'll sing, like, the evil words. You know, yeah. he'll sing the things of malicious intent and sometimes Grutler's, like... I don't know, like Odin or whatever, or he'll be, you know, Gritler will be someone kind of good in the context of the story they're telling in that song or whatever. Yeah. And it's not always so clear cut as Gritler's just this evil, you know, because Gritler, he sounds like a, you know, like a, like a lich from yeah. Dungeons. He sounds like a skeleton wizard yeah. who's been dead for 500 years. There's something yeah. so like bone dry. It's fucking gnarly, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's so yeah. cool. It's really great. And it's just, he, he's got a great combination of highs and lows as well. And like, yeah. he, do, he doesn't overuse the lows. He doesn't. He uses them at the perfect points. But his highs are like, they're not, it's not this like, it's very black metal. It does yeah. sound very black metal, but it's also not this kind of pathetic, like, yeah. it's got yeah. some substance to it. It's yeah. got body. It's full body. It's, it's full exactly. Body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and it's um, and yeah, you're right because the thing is, like in the scene, I feel like harsh vocals are kind of an afterthought a lot of the time. It's when the band's being put together, a lot of times it'd be like, ah, oh, okay, we've got like the sick riff, um, yeah. oh, this is a great track. Ah, oh, fuck, there's no vocals. Um, so all right, you on bass? Can you just do some fucking grunting? If you're not gonna try and sing good, just don't bother. Yeah, you know, I, I, I some bands can get away with being instrumental bands i personally don't really give a shit like if i'm yeah. at a gig and there's an instrumental band i'd be like oh that's nice but i'm never going to look at an instrumental band the same way i do a band like opeth or enslaved i'm yeah. never going to love them with all my heart yeah if there's no vocals but then do you vocals think that's are what connect you to the music they are your path into what the music is making you feel yeah and you don't have to understand the words that are being sung you know like you listen to converge and he sounds like a dog with its foot in a bear trap. Yeah. But sometimes you feel like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So you don't have to understand it necessarily. But the, if you're not going to try, if you're not going to go and, you know, if you're not going to look after your voice, you're not going to practice, you're not going to kind of put some effort in, into like, okay, why am I singing like this? Why am I doing this? Like, it's yeah. like, just give up. Like, it's so important. Yeah. I'm with you 100% on that. Like, I see it as them almost being, like, the conductor or, like, the master of ceremonies. Like, they're the totally. ones that, like, they're totally... And I think Enslaved are a perfect example of a band that understand that and know that the vocals are not an afterthought and the, and the, and the component that, when added to the music correctly, elevate it to a level that it would have been nowhere near had it not been for those vocals. Mm -hmm. So... 100%. Uh, I mean, and I'll tell you another thing, you, talk, talk, you touched on Kato a little bit, and I feel like, it's funny, because his performance on Issa, like, you're, you're right, like, it can come across a bit disjointed at times. Yeah, um, but, but it's like, not his playing, he does this really cool... He's a fucking great drummer. He's a fantastic drummer, yeah, I really um, hope I didn't come across as shit-talking him, because I, I do love his performance. I said a lot of bad things about the sound, but I don't think that's his fault, I think that's no. the engineering. And, and also, like I said, I don't even have a problem with it, but the performance itself is fantastic. There's yeah. this the way he uses the double bass pedal 
in like Lunar Force, you know, it's like, it's like, it's a constant and it's there and it kind of, it's not pummeling. Yeah. 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 His, his syncopation is amazing. Yeah. And he like, does these like flams with the bass drum pedals, which yeah. is like a very Kato Beckerfold thing to do. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, and I feel like on this album, like I do think he shines quite a lot. Like if you take the title track Rune, there's the bit where you get like that, oh, the heavy dude. rhythm. The den, yeah. Den, 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 you den, finally den. get to hear him play on this album. You're right. Yeah, yeah. This is the album where there's some really great, there's some incredible drum stuff on here. And he's just locked in so tight with the bass and the oh, rhythm yeah. that it's like, it's so, so fucking good. And yeah. it's like, it just totally fits this era of Enslaved. Whereas like, obviously Trim had like the blasting down pat, like, which is why yeah. he became so successful in Emperor. And yeah. like, you know, like the album he performed on, um, well, the main album that is he's Welcome most known for is uh, Anthems. Yeah. yeah the okay. Welcome to Dust, which is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, frankly an, an astounding drum performance, but yeah. it would, that would never have worked in this era of Enslaved. I no. think he more or less said as much, like he left the band because he, he saw that they were going in a different direction, even though like at that point they, were, they weren't even, hadn't even recorded um, Eld yet, I don't think. I think, yeah, I think wow. Eld was the last album. He could see um, it that far back. Yeah, and I can't remember if he, uh, I think he did drum on Eld. I think it was Bloodhem was the first album he didn't drum on. No, no, it was a different drummer. He'd left by Eld. So Frost was the last album he drummed on. But yeah, and uh, I think Kato was such a good fit to the band. And if there's oh, one thing I could kind of criticize the documentary on is they spent a lot of time focusing on the early era of Enslaved, which is great because he got some real, he got, he got to see such a personal look at like their upbringing. Mm. And like it was, it was really quite, you know, like quite wholesome a lot of the time. But then, you know, when it, it obviously, you know, it was 12 parts and each part was about 20 to 30 minutes. So by the time you got to part twelve, there was still on like frost. Yeah. So then, so they, they, I think they kind that of rushed the wild. I yeah. could not believe they did it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's like, because it was it was commissioned by like a Norwegian television. It was Haugalund, which Haugalund. is uh, that is the that's the district that they were from mainly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're like county or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that was the part that was, I can't remember the name of the place. I really wish I could remember it. Yeah. But it was because Ivor grew up on that hill. Right. And he just had that view yeah. of like the lake and all the mountains. And it was just, it yeah, was I just stunning. He, he was saying that it's like, he was like, oh, it's like a trope in epic black metal to be like singing about nature or whatever. Yeah. And he's so like, it's really funny because he's like, yeah, I know it's like a trope. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but he's like, and he's like, but he's like, you look around and you're like, well, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah. Obviously, what else, <laughs> what else are you going to be inspired you're by? You're watching a, a documentary and then like, yeah. you just see one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And you remember like back then, there's no fucking internet or anything. Like, yeah. You know, TV and shit, but like it's... Imagine growing up there. Imagine playing like just, yeah. you know, just in there with your buddies in like a garage. Yeah. And um, yeah, just playing riffs and then going out and just like, damn going fishing in one of those big old lakes or something yeah never been fishing before a lot of people I've never are been fishing i don't really yes. i wouldn't I'd, I'd well a i don't like eating fish and b i don't like the idea of hurting fish unnecessarily yeah, yeah that's the thing i'm just very much as much as i am a, a, a giant meat eater and therefore by proxy a, a gigantic hypocrite i can never hurt an animal myself i just, no. I just couldn't bring myself to do it no and it's funny because like when we're both big fans of the uh, the heavy hole podcast yeah. and i know they're quite avid fishers yeah and they're always talking about i mean there's an element of it that i that, that sounds like quite alluring because it sounds really relaxing but like uh, it, I, it's just I, not it, for me it sounds like a thing that's passed on right it sounds like a thing you do with your dad yeah and yeah. if you grow up doing it with your dad it's just gonna feel like the most normal thing in the world to yeah, you. yeah and like i just didn't have that experience so i'm not no. about to try and get into it but yeah like no. you said I, I was vegetarian for a large portion of my life growing up as a a teenager i'm not anymore 
Probably should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. I'll but. maybe go back there at one point. I think um, I think as I'm getting older, I just feel like... I, I think I would struggle with a vegan diet, um, just me personally. But I think I could, I could maybe take some baby steps and try and incorporate vegetarianism or yeah. maybe even pescatarian. Yeah, it's before a lot of I mean, the f- fish is just full of like plastic. Now. Yeah, yeah, I remember, remember when you told me that kind of ruined fish. Me, we talked yeah. about all the microplastics in it. Yeah, me, yeah. me and Nina went to um, a bird sanctuary. Um, shout out Eagle Heights. It was really great, and we had a really wonderful day there. Um, but yeah, it was really funny. There was this kind of young, kind of slightly surfer style dude doing one of the demonstrations towards the end of the day with these. Uh, I think it was like literally with like a hawk or yeah. something. And um, yeah, he was he was he was so fun. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of the other people there were, like, very aware of the fact there was, like, children and very normal people there. Yeah. But, like, he didn't care. He was, like, a con- like diehard conservationist. Like, he just loved nature and animals. Yeah. And he was, like, I'm going to just be real with you. Yeah. And it's, like, because, I mean, which is the best thing to do because that's no. the only way you're going to impact people. No, yeah, 100%. And he was, like, yeah, he's literally standing there with, like, a giant hawk on his arm. Yeah. And then, like, the sun's setting behind him. And he's, like, yeah, dude, anyone in here eat fish? Do you eat fish? Anyone here eat tuna? And he's, like, you're going to get cancer. he's like he's like if you eat fish you're gonna get cancer because the whole ocean is just full of plastic and fish they're just they're eating it and you eat fish you're eating mercury you're eating plastic that stuff's all going in your body so you know i eat if you want but probably shouldn't anymore we've ruined it yeah well there you go So rune. (laughs) (laughs) So rune. Nah, but yeah, it's uh, going back to this album. I another track I really want to give a quick shout out to is the track Appy Vat. Appy Vat, yeah. The atmosphere on that track is just on another another level. I think just this uh, this whole album is so yeah. I think that's the thing. It's that combination of like really because at times like even type of track rune for example they've got really crunchy riffs. But like, still coupled with the tremendous like atmosphere, and I don't think any band does it better. I think Opef do a bloody good crack of it. And yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong; like Opef have a have a similar thing going with a lot of their music, uh, especially like sort of Blackwater Park era. That's always like you know my preferred era of Opef. Um, but it's um, just just something about the way Enslaved do it. Just just really just appeals to me. Um, one thing that I think really stands out to me as a musician. Um, this album is that they really start to get into different scales and different time signatures a lot on this album. Like I'm sure there's other stuff on the previous albums where they kind of diverge a bit. There's different. It's definitely I don't think it's all in four four. But this album, they start to be like, yeah, let's do some stuff in like seven eight. Let's do some stuff. <laughs> like they, yeah. they start to just they start to when they're writing, they're like, you can tell that they want to fuck with it. Yeah, to make yeah. it better like you can tell that they've pulled stuff apart and put it back together and they're kind of they're trying to make sure it's not normal and that's kind of how you get this really special stuff like Apivat, Tides of Chaos all that kind of stuff yeah yeah um, cool right, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce the next album right so next album we are covering is Vertebrae which was released on September the 29th 2008 oh that's the date I've got Oh, so it looked like Metal Archives has uh, hit a home run with that one. Yep. <laughs> um, so, Vertebrae, Shem, uh, what do you think about this album? Love it. This album, so they start to get it really right and really, um, really kind of, they start to kind of make things more solid um, with Rune. And then, for some reason, 
which is which I love. They just they just go, well, what about if we did another album a bit like Issa that's just weird again? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, they kind of just like, yeah, let's just do something a bit freaking weird. And I love it. And it's like, yeah, it's some. Um, I feel like they really ramped up the the Pink Floyd's kind of influence yeah, again on this album. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. This is like also the Pink the, the Pink Floyd album. Ground yeah. is without doubt the. It's just it could be a Pink Floyd song. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's just I think probably safe to say maybe the first album where um, her brand's vocals were given more, mm. yeah, even more of a chance to shine. Definitely. Yeah. He yeah he does some really great work here. But uh, in another interesting thing, I think we were talking about this. I don't know if it's just um, to do with the songwriting or if it's to do with the kind of bigger influence of like kind of classic rock or something like that. But the guitars at times feel lighter on this album in terms of tone and heaviness. I think it's probably as much as I love every album production wise, this might be my least favorite interesting album again there's there's something uh, and there's a reason it feels like Issa to me the production goes cold again yeah there's something warmer about about um rune rune it starts to move into this and like yeah everything that comes after like routier whatever it's like it's just more better production yeah yeah more well-rounded but there's something again there's like some there's some hole in this album but that's not to say that I think it's bad. I love this album. Again, like <laughs> these are my favorite albums where there's, <laughs> where there's just like something weird about it. I don't know. It's hard. The beginning of this album, Clouds, the first track on this album, Clouds, starts with this bizarre, I don't know. It's like it's an like arpeggiated a, keyboard. It's kind of happy sounding. It yeah. sounds like it could have come from like a MySpace fashion core band. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah, uh, yeah. what's yeah. that shit band from St. Albans that people like? Oh with God. the fucking disco Corey kind of shit. I can't remember what it's St. Called. Albans. Fuck. Is it St. Albans? Or is it? Well, it's Shikari, right? Yeah, it's Shikari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, oh, maybe they're not from... Yeah, but Could be, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, the start of this album... To, I don't listen to Enter Shikari because I can't stand whatever I've heard. But the start of this feels like it could be like an Enter Shikari. But then it just drops into Enslaved. It's yeah, really yeah. funny. They kind of give you a minute where you're like, what the fuck is this? But then, like, they drop you in. They're like, nah, actually, it's all right. Yeah, it's yeah. No, I totally get where you're coming at. I just think, yeah, just loads of cool shit happening on this album. I feel like, um, you know, like Reflections has got some really cool guitar work and shit going on there. I love. Uh, I think. I think Reflection. Yeah, I think that's the first song on this album that I really fell in love with because that there, there's something about that. I get this image when I listen, a mental image when I listen to both this album and Eso. And again, that's why they're intrinsically linked in my head. Yeah. But in my head, I can kind of see, which is kind of funny because it's also kind of like a, I think it's, I think of it as like a traditionally like Scottish Highlands kind of thing as well. But I can kind of almost see like a pale blue gray kind of sky with clouds and then like a gray, uh, maybe not mountains, but, you know, maybe like uh, big hills, you know, like kind of stone kind of formations. Yeah. And then also just like an enormous lake, but the, the water is perfectly still like yeah. a mirror yeah and it's a very strong image i get in my head when i listen to both of these albums yeah that sounds like, a bit lake districty actually lake we districty, described yeah, it. Yeah, I yeah, could yeah. yeah i could say that yeah, yeah definitely and reflection i guess that's maybe part of it as well it kind yeah. of solidifies it for me but there's this this supernatural yeah. mirror feeling like you're kind of being looked at from another universe yeah and i totally get you that know? yeah i totally yeah. get what you're talking about yeah yeah it's just i just think there's something uh when, when, when an album like this, and like you said, like they are, this and Issa do feel intrinsically linked. Um, there's something about the weirdness of them that is so captivating. 
Like yeah. it is definitely along with Visa, it is probably one of the weirder sounding enslaved albums. I I would bet that there's enslaved fans that kind of listen to each of these once and are like, oh, they're okay. Yeah. But didn't really delve and find the true beauty of these albums in the canon because there's other stuff like Retir, which is just so much more like gratifying. Yeah. You know, in the first listen. But yeah. these those two are like hidden gems for me. You yeah. really dig into them. They've got some really beautiful stuff to yield. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're talking about hidden gems, like fucking the last track, The Watcher. Oh, like wow. Probably one of the greatest tracks of all time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you. I think we were talking about this before. Like, I think we were saying in the car once, like it just came on and it's just so emotional. Like, this track, like, first time I heard it, I was totally blown away. Like, I was absolutely, I mean, my voice is raising, so I'm talking about it, but I was like, I was totally just absolutely emotionally bombarded just with an overwhelming, like, sense of, like, familiarity and nostalgia. Yes, and I was yes. just like, what, just the, the, the way the first riff yeah. starts, and then it just kicks in with the vocals. Dude, oh, I'm I just get like, goosebumps. Fuck, I, I fucking like, love it. And the video's cool for it yeah, as well. Yeah, the video's the video. cool. You know, the watch, I think it makes me think... Um, the way her brand sings in that song, it's kind of like if you ever, I don't know, you know, like maybe when you're a kid, you might like fantasize that like, okay, maybe your parents aren't your parents. Maybe actually you're like some dispossessed like king or prince or something like that. And one yeah. day someone's going to knock on your door and be like, actually, you know, or maybe not, you know, maybe not your, your family because it sounds yeah. like you kind of, you know, got on with them well for the most part. But like the only way I can, is this describing of like, all the way throughout your life, you felt like you don't fit in and you don't feel kind of well-adjusted to your environment and your surroundings. Yeah. The Watcher is like an old friend you didn't know you had. Yeah. Arriving out of just nowhere. Yeah. And just like embracing you, you know? There's that feeling when he's singing to you, it's like you feel like you're becoming one with something. And it's so like, this is why yeah like music is just incredible <laughs> music yeah. is so fantastic and it's such an incredible art medium and it's so important to just being alive oh it's just yeah i mean it, it's funny because what i think of is it always reminds me of rain for some reason and i just imagine just being on the coast it's very purifying and I just think. looking out and yeah. like it's it's i remember i can't remember if i showed you guys that video i found on instagram of uh it was images that uh that helps that kind of um triggers thalassophobia so you know that fear of like the, Is that the open water and different... stuff oh okay yeah and it was like and like in a way like i've always had a real adverse reaction to those sort of images really to open water yo i'm terrified like the idea of being like stranded in open water just is is so suffocating and like Dude. i think it's just totally terrifies me when I, when I was a teenager my uncles i've got a lot of um aunts and uncles on my mother's side and um, a whole bunch of them used to run a diving club. Gosh. And we used to, as a family, when I was much younger, like 12, 13, 14, kind of that age, we used to go um, camping in uh, Swanage. I think yeah. it was, that was where they did their diving. And we never really, it was just something that uncles would go and do. And we were just dumb kids or whatever. But one day they were like, oh, let's go and, you know, see all the uncles that are doing all the diving and stuff. And they're like, do you want to go out on a, on a dinghy? into the sea and i was like yeah great this is really cool i was really excited and i was like oh this is fantastic and diving so exciting and maybe i'll do diving when i'm older and we were uh i want to say we got like probably like at least uh, maybe like a mile off the coast not like super far but like you can't swim back you know as a kid or whatever you know yeah. i could swim but i wouldn't have been able to just get back yeah. um, on my own and it was just like a little motor it had like a motor and stuff but 
I went from just being like having a really good time to just all of a sudden I just became so completely and utterly aware of this gaping void underneath <laughs> us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and how horrifying that was. And I was like, if I fall out of this boat, I'm going to die. It's like, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like, it's legit yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. I was just so fucking scared. You know what I blame is Echo the fucking dolphin. Yeah, what a weird game, man. <laughs> what a weird game. Because it's like you're playing it and you think it's just this innocent game about, <laughs> oh, like, oh, you've got to so be cool. a dolphin. You've yeah. got to go around collecting shit. And then the dolphin gets fucking abducted by aliens. aliens. Yeah. Horrific, terrifying aliens. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I actually blame, and I think I've actually cultivated both of my fears I've cultivated from one book. both of my fears. Um, <laughs> it's the, you know, Eric Carl that wrote um, The Hungry Caterpillar? Right. Wrote another book called The Bad-Tempered Ladybird. Okay. And I also have an irrational fear of ladybirds, right? <laughs> if anybody ever brings a ladybird to me in person, I'm, I will be terrified. What is but that? once I, I recover. It. Why are you afraid of ladybirds? So, this is what it. I think it is. I think I managed to pinpoint the moment. So, Eric Carl wrote a book called The Bad Tempered Ladybird. Okay. And in this book, it's about a ladybird that wants to fight everyone. So, <laughs> it then goes to find animals that are bigger than him. So, it starts off small with like a rabbit. And then oh. it finds like, I think it's like a lion, then what an elephant. The, what does a ladybird beat up the rabbit? No, basically, I, th- I can't remember like what happens in the story, but I think I think he just gets palmed off by the animals and it wanders They're off like, to find something gone. bigger. So yeah. the point is, it's constantly basically the, the ladybird has a Napoleon complex, yeah, and it's looking for the biggest thing to fight, yeah, and it ends up going to the flying into the ocean and finding this giant humpback whale. Whoa, okay. And there's like a panel in the book, and obviously it's all crudely drawn, but so I don't <laughs> know why it terrified me. There's a scene where the ladybird wants to fight the whale and its fin sends it flying. And the next panel is just a tiny ladybird over a vast, like, expanse of oh. ocean. So I think that's where the fear of ladybirds. Oh, so the, the ladybird and, is oh. like your avatar. The ladybird is like. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, the ladybird, it represents frailty. Yeah. And the weakness of the human body to you. And that's why you can't be close to it because it reminds you of that panel and the, how easy it is to die. I think I've just saved a lot of money on therapy. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's but, what it is. Your thalassophobia is but, intrinsically linked to Ladybird. That does sound very realistic, I but think. My point being, going back to The Watcher, is the funny, the weird kind of uh, dichotomy in, in my brain is the fact that I understand that water can be, water, water, water. can be very purifying. Mm. And like I said, with rain as well. And I, I do know that, you know, that life is born from mm. the water. And mm. it's like, and I feel like that song makes me feel like kind of at home with that yeah in a way that whereas i'd always be terrified of that before but like Uh, the song kind of makes me connect to nature and like you know the essence of humanity yeah yeah Yeah. totally yeah there is also this feeling like it could just be some kind of nature spirit talking to you like yeah you could be like i've got an aunt that lives near the sea down south and when we were when i was younger before I realised how fucking racist she is. I used to, we used to go and stay with her. And uh, I used to love going for like, she had a dog and I'd take the dog for like walks on the beach and I used to sit on like a big rock and just stare at the ocean for hours. I love I love the ocean, man. It's in yeah. my blood. I just, yeah. yeah. Like and an elf f- from Lord of the Rings. Just being yeah. yeah. It just it just is. I think that's it. And that's, there's like a, you know, we were talking about the, the nature thing with Enslaved and they're very rooted in nature. And I, it's kind of funny because this album literally has a song called Ground. Um, yeah. and center which are kind of very i guess the whole album really because the first is like clouds which is like wind but it's very it, elemental yeah it's very elemental it's very kind of yeah and then there's like i think the, the it's kind of cool i think the classic rock thing plays into it really interestingly as well because yeah. it's almost like that is like 
them going back to basics musically, right? With yeah, hundred percent. Right. So they're going back to basics, but then they're also singing about like m- more. Because the thing that's cool, so with like Rune, um, to me feels like it's almost like um, like cave paintings. It's almost like mythical things that happened in distant memory. Yeah. Right. They're like it's uh, it's primal. You know, the fusion of sense and earth. It's it's volcanic crusts. Yeah. It's fire. It's the men before men knew who they were or had names before we had language things done that people can barely remember tides of chaos could be things that happened you know before you know terrible things that nobody can remember happened in the past and then the last song is air to the cosmic sea which again is just this whole thing of like i mean god that could even be about like ancient alien shit right yeah, yeah. you know so there's all that so rune has that whole thing again where it's got this kind of primal half forgotten feeling yeah um and but vertebrae it yeah it's just pure nature i think it's the most nat- nature focused yeah. enslaved album for me um but also yeah like just talking about it with with uh the watcher reflection new dawn which also makes me think of like water um and and to the coast as well but also even vertebrae because you know what it makes me think of is like when you walk on the beach yeah and you see like bones and stuff ah. washed up on the beach yeah. so it's kind of like when you're like a kid seeing things like that it's almost like yeah i have really strong memories of the first time i saw like a, a cuttlefish um bone on the beach you ever see, you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah 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 those like weird long bone kind of things and i was like what the hell is this and someone had to explain like oh it was in like an octopus like thing yeah but it's like almost like nature's giving it to you because it's just there yeah. you know it's really cool that's that's just a cool way of looking at it because when i think of vertebrae i think of it from a, a more biological perspective and just how important the vertebrae is yeah, to everything. like just the human body you know i mean mm. it is you know the the it, you know pun intended the backbone of you know your existence yeah so it's and like even when you think about like what the spinal fluid contains and stuff. Yeah. Like, did you know, like I've, I've got to fucking fact check this because I've been telling people this for years. No, this I is going to be one of these just... Floyd facts. Yeah, that, like um, Floyd facts. <laughs> it's, um, Shout out Floyd facts. Apparently, if you, drop, if you drop a tab of acid, mm-hmm. right, after the initial trip wears off mm. and you then go to kind of crack your spine and manipulate it, it then a bit of that acid, a bit of the hallucinogenic aspect of of the chemical is stored in your spinal fluid. So you then get a secondary mini trip when you crack your back. <laughs> uh, that could very well be true because there's, when you take acid, it can get, um, I believe the proteins can get lodged in your, I don't know if it's your muscle fibers, but there's just some parts of your body where basically the chemicals in the acid just kind of get stored. Yeah. And then like, you can just have like acid flashbacks like years later. Cause like a bit of the acid will just kind of, break down and go into your body and just trigger it again so i totally can yeah i can yeah. imagine that's probably the case i'm gonna research that one day because i've been telling people that as if it's a fact for years so. <laughs> but it's um but no oh just a fantastic album and shall we move on to the next yeah just quickly i did take a little just before we move over because we have done a lot of time on vertebrae um i did make a quick note that um what they said this album was about vertebrae oh, interesting um they they explained it was within mythological terms is the struggle and also unity between the Aesir and the giants. Um, I'm not sure what the Aesir are in Norwegian mythology. I can't remember if they're like the elves or whatever. Are they, oh, they're the angel, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, shit, it is. You're right. Is it Ashurbanipal's request? 
No. No, you say this year. Okay, are they like an apart that I didn't know that? That's very clever. Yeah, yes, yeah, so they're, so they're, 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 they're like the gods, the deities, yeah, angels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, so the yeah, because obviously the the um, yeah the giants like the Jotun was like that was the whole thing with like yeah because they were like bad or whatever. Um, yeah, and I guess that's like the Norwegian equivalent of like the war in heaven. Uh, the lyrics touch on themes of human potential as well as human greed, stupidity, and hypocrisy. They describe how extremely fragile we are when it comes to matters, matters such as materialism, religion, propaganda, etc. Humans are extremely weak when it comes to individual behavior, but we, yet, um, but we yet have a huge potential. This potential is often obscured somehow, and the lyrics deal with different aspects of these matters, mine being the metaphorical, mythological, while Ivar's are the psycho-surreal ones. See, that's interesting because I feel like hearing their statement about this album marries perfectly with the fact that this album is so much more grounded and like kind of back to basics. Mm. Um, have you ever seen that video of Grutler talking about his top five favorite albums of all time? Oh, yeah, it's great. I love yeah, that. That's cool, one. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just cool. like, and like, yeah, I think he mentions King Crimson. I can't remember if it's red, but it's a King Crimson album. I think it was red. I think, you know, it was red. I think that's what made me check it out because I listened to it ages ago, but I always listened to Court of the Crimson King for ages and yeah. I never really gave Red the time of day. And then after I watched that video, yeah, doing research for this, yeah. I w listened to Red and I was like, dude, what the fuck? This album's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, just goes to show that, you know, it's just they're one of the few bands that can, you know, take influences from older styles of music such as you know like uh, pr classic prog rock and yeah and infuse it in a modern sound and, mm. and not make it sound uh, kind of derivative you want to know something that was sick i thought i was so clever for doing the the mellotron thing through a guitar amp right and using it as a guitar thing oh, and, yeah, like, yeah. and I, I love the the organic way that makes it sound and like integrating that as a because i'm like a unique voice within our band and how we make music and i was like yeah it's really great because obviously enslaved used the mellotron um like stuff a lot as like keyboards so i always kind of imagined it was more like front of house the speaker system whatever so i was like i like the idea of like the actual the guitar speaker cones making an impact on the sound of the mellotron and how that would add an element to it but after i started listening to red i was reading about it and fucking king crimson back in the late 60s were running mellotrons through marshals <laughs> <laughs> <They were laughs> yeah. before the 70s king crimson had already done it they're like yeah see ya like, <laughs> just but it makes sense because like because uh, uh, fripp is just like a, a revolutionary musician isn't yeah. he from like it's my mum and dad loved fripp um they they had a lot of his ambient albums he did with harold budd and brian eno mm. and it's just like it was, he was doing like weird sounds and shit part of the reason that david bowie had such success because he worked with fripp quite a lot on heroes about for that. example and like you know that the guitar line in heroes is some of david bowie's most like emotive music and kind of what i think helped kind of transcend him into like the the, the greatest stratosphere of kind of musical uh appreciation among the uh the uh the critics yeah um and i, I mean david bowie uh, i'll tell you the story i must tell you the story about my mum when she Which got one? threatened to uh she was she was almost got kicked out of the house. She went to see him during the Ziggy Stardust era. Right. Like grabbed his leg and like my granddad called her a sex maniac and like, <laughs> tried to kick her out. But like, really so like David Bowie was a big part of my musical maniac. upbringing because my oh, mum was dude, a, my a mom massive fan. Bowie so much when I was growing up and it is just, yeah, it's so, yeah, if I like hear like any of it, any, any era, but I think my favorite is the spiders from Mars. Yeah. Um, what's is it? Uh, Mick, Mick Ronson? think so yeah i think he was the guitarist you know that song uh cracked actor 
I don't actually. Oh man, it's so fucking heavy. It just yeah. starts off with this like open like E chord on like a Les Paul, and it's like. I don't. It's like it's like a metal song, dude. Damn, I have to check that out. And it's like David Bowie like taking the piss out of like an old guy that fucks young women. Yeah. Yeah, it's Fuck. great. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, David Bowie did loads of dodgy shit, obviously himself. But like, yeah. Um. Uh. But quickly, just um, before we go back to Enslaved, do you know Robert Fripp? Yes. Do you know he invented his own guitar tuning? Yeah, it's vaguely. It's called New Standard Tuning. He's yeah. got his own, um, like a school. He teaches music and he's like, basically like he has, they don't use it on any of the King Crimson stuff because I guess he came up with it after they did all their like biggest albums. But um, yeah, he kind of, he believes that he's kind of created a tuning that if people started using that tuning, I think it's all fifths or something. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't have an extra guitar lying around to just randomly tune some batshit tuning. But, <laughs> but it's really yeah. interesting to read about. Yeah, yeah. but he's like, is actively, like he teaches it and yeah, there's like students to it and stuff. Oh, that's and cool. They meet every year and they kind of try to keep pushing the envelope forward. Yeah, that's cool. I think, well, because of, you know, musicians like him experimenting, I mean, inevitably, you know, that that chain reaction is ultimately what has inspired bands like Enslaved, right? To push yeah. the envelopes himself. Um, but yeah, going on to the, the avant-garde thing, Grutler has, um, he's related to a famous Norwegian composer called oh, Vartain yeah, yeah. Valen, who's famous for atonal dissonant compositions. And uh, there's some of it's featured in the documentary and it's quite qu creepy and weird. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds a lot like a lot of the kind of enslaved... Yeah. things and he was getting played it as a kid so it makes so much sense you know it's in his blood yeah yeah it's yeah. true i remember that part of the documentary yeah that was really cool it was um yeah because it was just i think they played an excerpt of his music and i was just like this is like wild shit yeah it is i was like it's all like piano music from the uh, did i write down where it's from yeah it's old as dirt it's, no i didn't write down the year but yeah it's it's old because i think it was like his great grandfather or something, something like that yeah, yeah it's yeah. like old yeah it's not like yeah. present Right, so we've got Axioma Ethica Odini. Ah, oh, of course, yeah, okay. So I've got it being released on September the 27th, 2010. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I love this album. I yeah, love all their is, albums, this is but the I just. album for me. I think I can totally imagine it just being your favorite album. You're, you, you, it's, it's almost there. It's almost. definitely. It's one of those ones. It's a bit like when you try and rank a death album, right? Right. It's going to change on a yeah, week to week yeah. basis. Enslaved is the same, but like, don't get me wrong, this is always in the top three, like, yeah. consistently. Uh, just. I just feel like there's just so many moments of magic on this album. Uh, I love the, the kind of ti the title track, Ethico Odini. Uh, I think the uh, acoustic passage when it um when you get the second um verse and chorus and it kind of transitions into that really melodic bit and then you get herbrand's clean vocals kicking in again it's just so anthemic and so pure sounding um and then similar feeling to the watcher like it's just it's just an yeah. overwhelming amount of melody and emotion yeah. and i feel like this is um, after going from vertebrae to this it was a good change to hear something a lot heavier again um, and this album is far heavier. Probably, I'd even go to say, when it comes to Latter Day Enslaved, probably one of their heavier albums. Mm, I think overall. Interesting, yeah. Um, so many great tracks. Waroon. Oh, I know that's one of your top tracks, but it's Waroon. Yeah, so great, man. But just so many great riffs. I feel like they really are firing on all cylinders here. I think the production's fantastic. Everything sounds massive. The drums sound really bombastic. 
uh, the guitars are clear when they need to be and they're also like quite harsh when they need to be so mm. it's just the the different melodies and just compositional elements of most of the tracks are just melded together so perfectly that um I can't, I can't wax lyrical enough about this album so but i'm interested to see what your take is uh honestly it's one of my least favorites really mm. yeah no there's some top top tier stuff absolutely i don't think anyone can deny ethica odini feels uh, it, you know what some of the songs on this album to me feel like different versions of the same song they there's a there's the, there's a definite vibe to this album and i think I think like Rido and Waroon are just two absolutely like peerless, top class enslaved tunes. Giants is really weird. I have a really weird relationship with that song. Sometimes I hate it. I think oh, I like Giants. Yeah, yeah. but that's what yeah. I was going to say. But then there's other times, I think it's that intro is just kind of like, dun, dun. it's like, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it hits me funny. But yeah, when the song actually kicks in. It's great, yeah. The intro to that song almost is a bit like a, a flashback to their early '90s albums. Yeah, it uh, is. I think there's, there's there's a track on Frost that has a similar-ish intro as yeah. well, and it's like it's almost like a like a callback. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's very purposeful how they've how they've done it, and they've composed it that way on purpose to to be this lumbering kind of thing, and it puts you into that place. But then they do that so they can hit. It, it's clever because there's a lot of this. Um, yeah, there's a lot of this, like, you know what I mean? There's a lot of, like, that, like, like you know, the, the Rido, the guitar lines, like, there's a lot of this kind of, um, that's not syncopation, like, alternating between, like, two notes. Yeah. A lot of, like, tremolo pitch. It's, it's, this, this, there's a thing. I don't know what it is, but it, it was, like, a songwriting thing or something like yeah. that. But in Giants, they kind of do it again. Yeah. And they've already done it a bunch already on the album. So, yeah. like, they had to do the thing with the intro to kind of mix it up. But it's really good when they do yeah. bring it back in. Yeah, that is a cool riff on Raito, though, that I do like. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just, it's kind of like, it just sounds like a cavalry kind of charge in a bit. Yeah, it, 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 you're, that's a really good point, man. It right. feel you can imagine riding horseback <laughs> yeah. into battle or something to that. It definitely feels like shit's going down. You don't know if you're going to survive <laughs> yeah. the night. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> shit's on. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. It's, do, you know, do you know what, though? It's interesting that you kind of had this uh, preconception of this being like a kind of like a Floyd enslaved album because you're actually 100%. Uh, spot on with that and i think the reason is um i was talking about this in our in our first attempt at this episode uh where like i spent a lot of time in my life too much time being an almost solely death metal guy like <laughs> yeah we, we're the opposites because i was totally like a black metal guy for years and years and i just don't listen to black metal at all yeah. i just listen to death metal like completely and sometimes you're like, hey, have you heard this new black metal band? I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. But you were like the death metal guy forever. Yeah, yeah. For, for ages. I was just like, like I would just, to the point where if I had, if I heard a, like a death metal album that was the slightest bit, bit progressive and they included some clean vocals, I was like, no, fuck it, I'm out. Wow. Uh, but then like, you know, I was, I was that narrow-minded when it came to death metal because I just wanted to listen to the heaviest, the brutal like, sludgiest shit, yeah. which is when, you know, when I heard bands like Devoutment or uh, Californian and Mexican Disgorge, I was just like, yeah, this is my shit. And and I don't know, but I think I was just trying to be a tough guy, really. But it's... But anyway, the, my point being, like, cause I spent so long being like that death metal guy that when... It took me a while to crack what black metal was about because mm. it's very much, in some ways, an antithesis to death metal in the way that it's less about the riff and more about the atmosphere of the music, which is the point mm. you were touching upon. But f transitioning from being so focused on the riffs and the, and the musical groove of an album 
into something that I felt at the time was less tangible to grasp onto as a listener. Um, it took me a long while to kind of crack it, but once I did, with like say Emperor was one of the first black metal bands I was super into. Mm. Um, like it was, it was a bit like kind of like opening Pandora's box, and I was like, yeah. okay, I get black metal now. Yeah. And I think the reason why Ethica Odini is such a, a, a favorite of mine amongst Enslaved's discography is it reminds me of discovering black metal for the first time. Okay. So it's got a lot of those bombastic elements that yeah. made me appreciate Emperor in the first place, and there's a lot of it on the album. Whereas I think for some Enslaved fans, especially maybe for yourself, who are, who is a fan of the more progressive and weirder elements of Enslaved. You're right. This is a less progressive album. Yeah. Yeah, you're well, right. That's a good point. So, whereas for me, you know, it's it's only in, it's only really recently they've even found a newfound appreciation for Issa, for example. I was always a fan of Vertebrae. But, um, but yeah, I was totally... It totally was just, just kind of... Um, just reawakened that that first feeling of discovering black metal for the first time. You know, there's a fair amount of tremolo picking and, you know, and just, I mean, every enslaved album is filled to the brim with atmosphere. I mean, like irrespective of which era, Eeps. but it's, um, yeah, but that's totally why this album just really resonated with me. I would um, give the caveat to what I said previously. This is definitely, I think probably I've listened to it the least most recently like going back and revisiting the discography i don't tend to reach for this album so much anymore i don't know why um i think when i do i pretty much listen to rido waroon and then go and listen to something else like those two it's just such a good back-to-back two songs for me yeah. i really love both of those um but yeah looking at the track listing i'm kind of blanking on remembering some of the riffs and stuff so i think i might have been a bit unfair in my uh summarization of this album but I think that's a very good point. But you know, like you were saying, like you wanted to be into the most brutal death metal when you're growing. It's like with me, like getting into black metal. It's like when you're young, you're obsessed with like the extremes, right? Yes. So you're obsessed with like, you're like, well, I've got into metal. So I just, you want to see how far, like when you really get into extreme metal, you want to see how far it goes. Yeah. So you kind of plumb through everything. And I remember like the first time I listened to like Zasta. Yeah. Right, the first time I listened to Zaster, I'm like, oh, it's Black Mill, but it's like a weird guy who lives in his bedroom, <laughs> and that was exotic to me at the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like now, it's hilarious because it was like the tenth level of suicide or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like pyramid of skulls and stuff. Yeah. You listen to it, and it does. It sounds like you found, a, like almost in a weird enslaved way. It sounds like you found some kind of weird recording yeah. from somewhere you shouldn't have heard, and things like that. And yeah. you know, stuff like Circle of Dead Children and stuff like that. It's like all, um, yeah, it feels like m- music you shouldn't listen to. But that's how you always discover it, right? Because yeah. to an untrained ear, no one's ever going to really, truly appreciate, like, say, death metal or black metal or any form of extreme metal straight away. Mm. Like, I remember the first property death metal band I heard was 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 Cannibal Corpse. Mm. And I, I totally didn't get it. And it wasn't until I just yeah, kind of eased myself into it. And one of the bands I always credit as being like that gateway band for me was actually Creator. I think as a thrash band, dude, I still have never listened to Creator wow. ever. I've got to play <laughs> some Creator songs, man. They, they, never listened to it once. Another band that have had quite a storied career, like you know, they've had, they've got their eras as well. Like they had, like even like an almost kind of new metalish era in the nineties. Oh, awesome. Um, they didn't go full, um, full, full rap like Back Rob Flynn did, but it yeah. was. Um, but there's some interesting albums from that period and some great songs as well. But like Slayer get the credit as being like the bridge between thrash and death. Mm. A lot of the time, or being the first, you know, kind of a progenitor of yeah. the death metal scene, along with Possessed. But I mean, Possessed are also, I would consider them a death metal band, whereas some people who like to split hairs would say that they're yeah. um, 
you know, like thrash. thrash. Yeah. But 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 Crater are totally for me the, the band that that helped me bridge the appreciation between um, uh, sort of thrash and death and get into like the more extreme side of things. Mm. Uh, and then that's when I was able to revisit bands like Cannibal Corpse and uh, Morbid Angel, Suffocation, and just really find a new level of appreciation for that. And the same thing with Emperor. I'd say Emperor and Bathory were the first bands that that bridged that gap into black metal for me. When I first started to get, get into Bathory, it was totally like um, an, an experience and really helped me kind of... It's like it's like training wheels on a bike almost. And it's... Uh, I can't remember what my original point was, but yeah, I, it's just... Um, you were saying it reminded you of when you discovered black metal. So I was kind of talking about like... Um, you know, you were saying that it's kind of it takes you. It took you a while to like kind of get into it because you were so into what you were listening to yeah. that you didn't necessarily entertain certain other things. And yeah, I can I can totally get. But yeah, it's like death metal. It's the same with me. I just listened to so much black metal for a while. Yeah, and then a lot of the social aspects just really turned me off because you know yeah. when I first got into it, like it, it just wasn't as widespread known. You know. Yeah. I didn't listen to Burzum because they sounded shit. I didn't know they were Nazis. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that yeah. was it. I just thought they didn't sound very good. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But then when I found out, I was like, oh yeah, fuck these people, fuck this band. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like that's it. I just I just won't be doing with it anymore. Yeah. And I just don't. Fair enough. Care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that death metal, well, dude. When I used to listen to like, when I first listened to Death back in the day, I thought they were corny. When I listened to like Leprosy, I thought they were corny as really? shit. Really? Yeah, yeah it's that's, weird. That's cool. Yeah, but now they're like, yeah, again, one of my favorite yeah. bands. But yeah, yeah, I thought they were like goofy. No, of course, definitely one of the best bands that ever existed. But like, I was so into my shit. I was so into my circle of dead children bullshit. Yeah. That it seemed corny. You know what I mean? I, I can totally get that. You know, but now yeah. I'm like, oh, like Chuck was just one of the best songwriters ever. You know, that's just true. That is just like the cream always rises to the top. And I always used to love In the Nightside Eclipse by Emperor. Great album. And uh, I, I've listened to it like thousands of times, so many times. But now I just can't listen to it. I just don't think it doesn't feel very good. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a personal thing. I think all the stuff with uh, Faust really turned me off. Is it Faust the drummer? Faust, was, yeah. 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 He drummed an album. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he, he killed a gay guy. I'm just like, I think when he was in prison, I kind of was like, Oh, he's in prison. Like he did a fucking horrible thing, and that's that's that. You know, he's in prison. They're playing with Trim or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah, when he came out of prison, and they were like, "Yeah, cool, we're just gonna play with this guy again." Yeah. I dude, I loved Ishan's solo work so much. I listened to that. I listened to those albums like Amir and all the. Yeah. So much, and I thought he was so avant-garde and so clever and so cool. And then I was like, oh, and then you know, and they're kind of like, oh, he served his time. And I was like, you just didn't have to work with that guy. I know it's it was it, it caused a massive controversy at the time. Yeah, I just want to say, I listen to him anymore. I just don't care. Talking of Ishan, I fucking love the song "Frozen Lake on Mars." <laughs> the track. I can't remember which album it's from. It's such a good track. But um, yeah, no, like when they, because they got the, the headline slot across a lot of the European festivals. Yeah. And they, that's when they're playing with Faust and everyone was a bit like, well, you know, Trim's the better drummer. Right, but, and Trim is just better. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, you know, Ishan's, I think logic was the fact that, um, that you know, that it wouldn't be right to do a tour of In the Nights of the Eclipse without the original lineup. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure most people are not going to really care yeah. too much about that. But, but it's... Know, that's but whatever, isn't it? It's he's, like... he's entitled to do that, absolutely. He's entitled to do that. I'm entitled to not listen. It's cool. Like yeah. I get it. Like he's got his point of view. It's his art. He can do what he wants. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just another example. I just find it weird that you just don't get the same shit with like Morbid Angel and shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. you don't get the same shit with like Death and 
the, when you find out there's a dickhead in the death metal scene from back in the day, they tend to be like the individuals and they're quite few and far between. Yeah. And I just like think that's... I mean, yeah, they're kind of, they are kind of few and far between. I mean, you've got the malevolent creation guy. I can't oh, remember Jesus his name. Christ, He's just like guy. extremely problematic. Yeah, fuck malevolent creation. If you listen to malevolent creation or have a malevolent creation record, please Google the fucking interviews where that guy's just like using the N word and then they have like a fucking song about like ethnically cleansing colored people. Fuck that band so hard. And he made up that story about being robbed yeah. and then killing a the guy and it yeah. was uh, like it wasn't true and it was just, just really weird. Was it, was it, but yeah. Anyway, like, sorry. <laughs> we but we should move on. Um, yes, let's to retire their twelfth okay. album. Yeah, twelfth album. Now, what's cool about the album title, which I actually only realised a few years ago, was that the word itself is a palindrome, so it's the same spelled both ways. Yeah. And I think you know that is, and I was actually meaning to mention this when we were covering the Ethica Odini. Is I think I do remember from research and some of the lyrical concepts is enslaved or. A, uh, you know, uh, uh, love the whole concept of, you know, Ouroboros, you know, like the, yeah. the the snake eating itself and you know, time itself being, you know, more of an abstract concept. You know, it's it's not linear. It's yeah. it's more of a circle. And, and, you know, and that's always been something that's interested in me. You know, th- those certain metaphysical elements, even though I felt like I've never really had the, the brain or, th- or the academic uh, propensity to kind <laughs> of, um, you know, get into it too much. But you don't need to. Yeah, because right, enslaved yeah. speak to a part of you that everyone can understand, and yeah. that's again, like I say, like this album in particular, you know, because they have the lyrics. I can't remember, and uh, I don't know if it's in th- it might actually be in thoughts like hammers, the first track, but they talk about like static is the common language, and that always. I like, in the her brand bit, right? The yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her brand just fucking. Like her brand should just get an Oscar for his performance. <laughs> this like some <laughs> yeah. of the best vocals ever committed to yeah. record on this. Like again, like. Just, I literally, there are days, poor Nina, like she has to drive with me in the car. There are some times where we're driving home and uh, I've got this huge like car playlist because obviously when you're driving, you can't just like change records every five minutes. So I just, if I like an album, I put it on this car playlist and I just randomize the whole damn thing and I just get good music. Um, And yeah, like there's been so many times when a random enslaved song will come on and they'll just be like a really good her brand vocal line. And I just, I'll be there with like tears streaming down (laughs) my face, just driving in the middle of the night. And then you'll look over and she's like, you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, but what you need is a little car window. (laughs) I do, man. And I'll be like, yeah, I'll be wearing my driving glasses and they're steaming (laughs) up and it's just her brand being like, we are all one. (laughs) It's okay. Don't worry. You do not have to go alone into the night, gentle soul. And he's just like, man. There's something so comforting so about special. his voice. It's so special. It's, oh, I mean, this album, like, yeah, the opening track, Thoughts Like Hammers. Enslaved do a fucking stellar job of, like, opening with some real bangers. Yes. Like, the opening, because you've got that really discordant kind of intro where it's, like, well, it's like, like, it's like kind of screaming and then it all kind of crescendos into, like, that groovy riff and it's just like and that riff should be shit yeah like if you played that to someone in a rehearsal room they'd be like okay like, yeah because it kind know? of almost sounds a bit out of tune at yeah, parts right but it's, it's fucking, fucking weird, amazing it rocks it's so good so good and it's like you know you were talking um about in the previous album ethical dini how you listen to um you kind of stick with uh kind of Raito and Warun. it's um there's certain enslaved tracks that I do incorporate into my gym playlist. Nice. But it has to be certain tracks at certain 
points in the workout. One of the things is I like to finish workouts with Ethico Dini because oh, nice. the last part is so triumphant. Yeah, when I'm on like, the yeah. last set, I'm just yeah. like, ah, it's at the end, so yeah. I can relax yeah. now. But like yeah. thoughts like hammers, like when that wow. opening riff, like that is such a deadlift song. Yeah, because when that riff is. kicks in. Because like it's timed almost perfectly. Because by the time you finish the set, yeah. the groovy riff is finished, and Herbrand's vocals have started. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. All, when the yeah, dopamine's flooding uh, in, no, is when like all the clean oh, vocals you get are the kicking best in. Of it. That's so good. But like it, so I spend way too much time thinking about um, uh, like curating gym playlists. So I listen to a shit ton of new metal when I'm working out. <laughs> it's just the right tempo for it because yeah. it's groovy, it's down tuned, and it's yeah. easy to listen to. Like there's some enslaved songs that would really th- like if I listened to Issa and tried to work out, yeah. Like I'd probably like no, you're right. You need slipped to like five discs. Yeah. But harm's way, man. So sick. Jimmy. Need to get into them. Still haven't listened to oh, them. Mate, just sleeping on them. You're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna love them, dude. Like working out to harm's way. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at how stacked James Plidge is as well. Like, oh, he's beast. Yeah, he's so sick, dude. dude. I think he's like an actual like national powerlifter as well. From I what I remember reason. But he's got the right build because I think he's quite short. So yeah. he's got that power lifter build. So like a lower center of gravity and stuff. So he's a good deadlifter. Yeah, but you, you really have to. It's so I'll good. definitely check him out. But oh, so many tracks of the album. Really? Death in the Eyes of Dawn. Um, uh, uh, like That track always kind of reminds me. I actually used to get that track uh, confused with uh, the title track, Rune, quite a lot. Mm. So there's a section in it that has that same thing I was talking Similar about with Kato with the drums, where it's like like locked in so tight with the rhythm section yeah, yeah. that it's just... And I think when Enslaved do, do that, it, it's so fucking magical because it's just... There's just so much, like I've said a million times already, there's just so much atmosphere on the tracks. Yeah. Then when you get that combined with a really tight, groovy rhythm section, it's just it's just unparalleled. Yeah, this 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 album just just fucking rocks. It's so good. It's really just one of the all time just classics. They really just hit everything. This is for me. This is peak enslaved. I think in times it's also very special, but. There's there's just something about Retir. It really for me is just the jewel in the discography and just stands as the most kind of perfect apex of everything they've done before yeah. and after. The the material that comes after is not bad or, or weak or anemic or un, 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 unachieved or, or, or unfocused. It's, it's it's all still really good. But this is really just where everything was at its sharpest. They were working together the most. And yeah, like uh Obviously, Roots of the Mountain as well. Like, there's that brilliant story. That story is amazing. Yeah, yeah. the story about Ivar Bjornsson was, I think it was the birth of his first child and his wife was in labor and um, the doctors told him that his wife was having difficulty and I think he had to, like, go outside and wait in the waiting room or something like that. And he was, like, he didn't know what was going to happen, you know? So it was, like, Ivar, like... You know, either his wife was going to die and his baby was going to die and he's going to be, like, left alone in the world... Or, you know, or his wife was going to be okay or the baby would be okay. Like, he didn't know what was going to happen. And um, he just had, like, I think he said he had Garage Band on his phone and he was working on on the that that song, what would become that song at the time. And, uh, yeah, so he said that basically um, when he found out that his wife was okay and that she'd given birth, um, I honestly, I can't remember if it's his son or daughter, I can't remember, but when they brought him his child, like, he, it was just this elation he felt that knowing everything was going to be okay and that his wife was okay and that his child was okay it's like he he literally like he wrote that there's that little kind of like everything goes really quiet towards the end of the song and it's like dun, 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 and it comes back and it's triumphant yeah and it's just like you know it just you can really feel like how happy he is to be alive you know yeah. and 
Yeah, it's, oh. That is, yeah. So good. That is like, the the track, Roots of the Mountain, is, in my opinion, peak enslaved. I mean, that is maybe single-handedly their best track in the discography. Yeah, it's really For my money. Really it's the track I've listened to the most anyway, which is normally a good indication that it's your favorite track yeah, and it's the yeah, one you yeah. keep going back to. But yeah, that moment you're talking about is just one of the most euphoric moments in music I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it really is. And yeah. it's just so many components in that song. And this is another thing, like enslaved songs, they're not they're not short. Roots of the Mountain is just shy of 10 minutes long. Yeah, this album's and got... It's like, sat, it feels like a three-minute track. It How do they do it? Yeah. It does. It's like, yeah, if you, you would think it would be like 348, yeah, and it's like new 10 minutes. And it's just like, you know, it's like the, the sick bass solo, it, like before it transitions into like the last segment, it's just so cool. Um, just the opening riff and like just the, oh, it's, but yeah, that last part is just really fucking special. Like it's just such a, and you could, yeah. And that when you first told, when you first told me that story was the first time I heard it, yeah. I was just like, that makes complete sense. Like I could totally imagine that. Yeah. Cause it's just like, you know, the, you the joy of finding you. out that, you know, that, that, that life is still going to go on for your family yeah. is like perfectly encapsulated in that last refrain of that track. Yeah. And it's like something about that happening like connects him to his past and the future and like anchors his place in the tapestry of life. Yeah. And you can see him appreciating everything yeah. and not just being like, I'm just a band guy. You know, yeah. there's nothing, nothing enslaved is about ego. No. They're completely devoid of ego. They don't want you to think they're the best no. guitarist, singer, whatever. Like, no, like, it, like her brand is like, so just uh, not flashy, not showy. No. He's there as part of the whole. They're all trying to just convey these things about being human. And that's just, again, there's something else that just makes enslaved. So yeah, cause they're brilliant. just, just normal guys. Like, you know, I've had yeah. the pleasure of like having very brief conversations with them while being like front of the front of the barrier during their gigs. Like I remember one time queuing up, it might have been the might have been the Underworld show where I think um, uh, someone spotted like her brand and like like a like a Dixie's or one of the fried chicken shops, and he was like marking out to coin a wrestling term. So like, oh my guy just met her brand. He was in like I was like, well yeah, where do you expect him to be? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. but it's um, but yeah, I remember speaking to like Ivor at the uh, the Dome show because uh, it was what was cool about those free gigs for for the people that aren't aware of this was on the third night when they played at the Coronet in Elephant and Castle of all places, which is, as most people who are from South East London, like myself, would know to be one of the biggest dives <laughs> in South East London, despite the fact that geographically it's one of the best locations in London. Because mm. it's, you know, a five-minute walk from every major bridge, which is why it's currently being redeveloped and turned into, like, almost this new financial district. Um, but, yeah, they played the Coronet, which I'd actually never been to that venue because I just don't really think many metal bands played there. Yeah. Um, but, anyway, this last show, so it was um, the Wardruna were the opening band. and uh, no, they, f- they closed, didn't they? Well, I'm pretty Wardruna, sure they headlined. Wardruna had oh. an opening set. Oh, okay. Then Enslaved done their their set focused around the latter materials. Studio, so I think it? they opened with Roots of the Mountain, for example. Yeah, okay. Um, and, then, and then after their set, Wardruna and Enslaved performed Skugstia in full, oh. which is uh, Ina Selvik's and Ivor Bjornsson's collaborative effort celebrating like old Norse like heritage. Okay, yeah, maybe that was how it was. I thought for some reason I thought Wardruna were after Enslaved, but it was cool because it was like it was uh, the performance was because I I loved the Skugstia album. I thought it was great. Yeah, and it was really it, was, um, it was cool because they, they were all on stage. So Enslaved were there, and like Ina Selvik and the Wardruna members were there and they had all the you know all the traditional norse instruments have you ever seen the the wardruna version of return to yggdrasil the cover of the enslaved song no it's 
so great. It's Fuck. really good. Yeah. I had no idea they did that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's mad. It's funny. Um, he, Ina Selvik, turned up to work at that day where I worked at the time. No way. Yeah, yeah, and he came in. I was just like, I'm pretty sure that's him, but I don't want to go up and yeah. speak to him just in case. Um, but yeah, now I was spotted enslaved. Just going back to the point of them just being normal guys. Spot them going to like a curry house in Elephant Castle, which was, if there's one thing, if you're from that area of Southeast London, there's two things you grew up where you you made this mistake once and once only, and it was going to that curry house oh, in the really? Chinese place at Elephant Castle. Oh, no. it was notorious for giving you food poisoning. Oh, no. And, and like I saw them the walking in, one. and I was thinking like they're they're not so making it home in one yeah, piece. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> that's not what you want when you're on tour I don't you say that much. oh god but that shopping centre's closed down now it's yeah. been, been knocked down which is quite crazy to see um, but yeah I mean it was um, and the, the great thing about that set is obviously they played quite a few tracks from uh, uh, Retir especially I think they played uh, Death in the Eyes of Dawn as well um, which is a that, great set they're what? such a good live band I think is it Death in the Eyes of Dawn there has, I think, you know, I had some really kind of like, just a couple of like fucked up things happened to me, I think, after I got into this record. I think in like the year or two after I got into it. I don't know if it was around the time it came out or what, but it was, um, but you know what, man, like listening to like Death in the Eyes of Dawn, you know, like, you know, he's saying that like, you know, like the night's always darkest before the door and all this kind yeah, of yeah, thing. And yeah. I can't remember what the exact words are, but there's basically this this thing that her brand sings, which is like the equivalent of like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, that just, the number of times I've like, you know, it's like the bit in June. I've just sung that as like, it's funny because I can't remember it right now, but the number of times I've repeated that to myself and like other people and fucked up shit's happened to them and that I just remember those lyrics and I just, yeah, that's been like a little mantra for me. Yeah. In t- you know, yeah, because it's been so comforting. But I think it's a good testament to the music, and it just shows that you know that there is emotional layers to a lot of music within the metal genre. And I think you know to a lot of people who are not that familiar with um, uh, the vast array of the metal subgenres and bands within them, is I don't think they quite realise how much depth there is to the music. And I feel like Enslaved are almost like like if an alien mm. came to Earth, we're just like you know show me like what. Like the, show me the best representation of what what this planet has to offer in terms of music. Yeah. You're not I'd probably show them, like fucking Eminem or some shit. No, I, I would literally. <laughs> I'll just say yeah, just fucking check out and save discography, out slave, bro. I'd probably give them Retir to be yeah, fair. Give them like, it's, it's it's that transcendental for me, it in is. my opinion. Like yeah. you know, and I feel like I'm, I'm always so desperate to try and. You know, I, I hate being that guy that pushes music onto people especially people that aren't like fans of the you know yeah metal for, for example and but i'm always i'm i've almost convinced myself that i feel like anyone could be an enslaved fan yeah that music's that good yeah yeah totally i mean after you guys uh spoke to callum from tyrannus tyrannus yes last time i was talking to him about enslaved and i was like oh because i've listened to the, their new album i heard loads of like enslaved stuff i was like oh yeah and you were like yeah you must like enslaved right and he was like yeah, not really. I listened to like one of the death, like one of the old black metal. It's like Mordram or something. Right? Yeah, he one you mentioned, to like yeah. something like Mordram or something like that. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember or it was like oh, whatever. But like, yeah, he was like, you just didn't get it, and I was just like, dude, <laughs> like, come on, man. But that's that's what happens when a band's got such a massive discography, right? right I mean, there's yeah. so many like you got nowhere to start. It's the same with Opus. Why I didn't get into them for so long? I was like, where'd you go? Where'd you start? This is like you know, it's it kind of reminds me of how I got into like kind of like the doomier side of death metal, for example, mm. because like. You know, I remember um, it was. I actually picked up a Flesh Grind CD, which are a um, great band. Oh, oh wait, Flesh Grind, 
Oh, I'm thinking of Flesh Crawl. Flesh Crawl also great to be Flesh fair. Flesh Crawl but, great. But I Flesh Grind. I don't quite... think I've listened to Flesh Grind, but I think yeah, they're, they're really good. I picked up one of their albums on HMV once because Seeds of Abysmal Torment, and it's just it's just great um, brutal death metal. Found out through the Heavy Hill podcast mm. when they had one of the members on that they were quite unhappy with the production of the album and like it does sound quite tinny but like the is material that, is itself that the is band amazing where they got like one of the old guitarists from Death to do it and he just didn't give a fuck no was it's that, was that them or was that someone else they had some links to Broken Hope um, but um, I'm going to quickly search where Flesh Grind were from because I, I want to say Chicago but would help if I actually spelled the name correctly. Oh, I do. I'll but anyway, when I'm searching oh, okay. this up, basically, um, I used to get into a lot of bands through the thanks lists yep. on the CDs. And I remember, like, there's two albums that turned me on to a lot of bands. Uh, one of them was um, uh, one of the Cephalic Carnage albums. I remember their thanks list had, like, so many, like, grindcore bands on it. Nice. And that was just, like, going to Pig Destroyer. Yeah, and yeah. I found out about, like, bands like fucking Cock and Ball Torch, <laughs> a <laughs> German porno grind band, which was just, I mean, they're just absolute fucking, I mean, the, the lyrics are very, very questionable, but it was just, it's, that was during my phase where I was just, you know, looking for the most, the worst, the just the stuff. weirdest looking sounding shit. Yeah. But um, oh, finally managed to type the name right. Yeah, yeah, no, I was right. Chicago, Illinois. Okay, a, a rare fact gotten right by me. But anyway, in their thanks list, yeah. uh, they gave a shout out to Catatonia, and with one of K. the members of the band. <laughs> sorry, with a K. With a K, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and one of the band members um, said, like, oh, you know, um, they t they mentioned two songs in particular. So it was the songs "Day" and "Gone," some some of their earlier albums. Are they Michael so ones. They, what once you know because Michael Ackerfeld did vocals for the, uh, yeah. so Day is from the album Brave that Michael Ackerfeld was doing vocals on even though he didn't do vocals on that track uh, oh, Gone okay. is from the Discouraged One which I think was an album after um, that, that you had Dance of December Souls yeah. and then you had um, oh what's the album called that had Day on I can't remember I can't remember drawing a blank but it's um, but yeah so I listened to those tracks and that's how I got into Catatonia and then Paradise Lost because Paradise Lost was one of those bands that had... Shout out Paradise Lost. Great band. Love Paradise Lost. Massive discography. So, you know, like it's... And going back to what you were saying about Callum with Enslaved, yeah. that's kind of like me with a lot of those bands. I right, look at a band like Paradise Lost, yeah. I'm like, well, where the fuck do I start? Dude, I was so happy when I found that Metallica Paradise Lost album. The oh. self-titled one is so sick, dude. I love yeah. it. Every <laughs> song has the drum beat where it's like, boom, ga, boom, ga. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's better than Metallica. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love Paradise Lost. Anyway, oh, just before bands. we wrap up on Ritir, um, there was a couple of quotes from Ivar. Ivar. Uh, he said, Ritir is more looking at the similarities between different cultures and people. The exploration for us has gone inwards. It's more, per it's more personal and the result from that is you feel more connected to global things and less of a specialised nationalistic Norwegian heritage. Yeah. So I think that was really, uh, just again, beautiful. Just enslaved proving... That all these fucking chuckleheads that are just like, I'm good because my parents fucked somewhere. You know, it's just stupid. Yeah. You know, them just, yeah, proving it and just making the best metal album. Anyway, but yeah, moving on to In Times. Yeah, so In Times. Um, I mean, it goes without saying that it's a fantastic album. So there's no point even saying that because all their albums are good. But like this album was an interesting one for me because it came out. Well, let's, let's get the release date. Yeah, March 10th, 2015. Mm. So... I remember that for some reason, I didn't listen to, to this about maybe 2016, 
the next okay. year. Because the first time I listened to it was when I was going over to Germany for a trade show. Okay. Which is at the end of January, beginning of February. And I think sometimes I'm like that with bands. They'll release an album, and for some reason, there's no logic behind it. I just won't listen to an album. Yeah, I know what you mean. For just, I'll just be like, ah, oh, I'll get around to it. And I just don't get around to it. And sometimes yeah. for years. Sometimes it's like five years later. I'm like, maybe I'll listen to <laughs> that album I was intending yeah, no, to I do listen that. to. Or yeah. bands. Some yeah. bands I've never checked out. Anyway, so for whatever reason, like I got jumped onto in times a bit late, and then I must have got must have first listened to it when um, what I actually did get my story correct was um, I had a massive uh, waiting time in Nuremberg Airport because when I do the trade show, without divulging too much details about my work, was um, I've got a chance to either look around the fair, spend some time in the old town in Nuremberg, which and the, by this point, 2015 was probably the seventh year I'd done it. So mm. I was like, there's You've nothing there, really left for me to do in the old town. So I was like, fuck it. I'd rather just wait in the airport and not have to worry about the stress of getting to the airport on time. So I went there and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to listen to Orvin Slave's discography. And then I think I had um, I had um, uh, In Times on my iTunes at that point. So I thought that'd be a great way to lead into the new album. So I literally, I was in the airport for like eight, nine hours. So I started nice. from the beginning and worked my way up. Wow. And by the time I got to In Times was when I was actually on the plane. Oh. So obviously, because it was on my iPod, I was able to it. Wasn't I like, love listening to music on the plane? So man. good, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> I need to remember next time I fly so to have great. like a, at least like some albums downloaded. Yeah, so, uh, saved up. It's so great. But it's um, so I was just there, and I was properly, and like it was only a short flight, maybe like an hour. And I remember at one point falling asleep because I was pretty tired, and then I woke up as the plane was kind of uh, descending into the UK and it was flying to London City as like the sun was setting and that yeah. was when the song uh, Daylight, Daylight yeah. was playing <laughs> and it was just at the melancholic yeah. moment yeah. and it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it was just for me really like one of those yeah. core musical memories yeah. that I'll never forget and so every time I listen to that song in that particular moment I just think of like being high up in the sky just like yeah. descending down yeah because they, they recorded a lot of this I think I can't really record them because I think at this point in their career they do a lot of the principal recording themselves is my understanding because uh, Ivor Sandoy, who ends up replacing Kato Beckenvold when he leaves um, on drums, he actually, Ivor Sandoy comes in on this album in times and he co-produces this album. And then he co-produces the following albums, Ian Utgard. So I think he was involved in Retir as well, was he not? Or I think he was, but I think he might have engineered. He didn't mm. necessarily, he didn't co-produce on those ones. So I think he's, he's like a friend of them. I think he might be in Borknagar maybe, I'm not sure. Because I know someone who enslaved was in Borknagar as well. I've never really been able to get into Borknagar, but Borknagar. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've had both. But yeah, I, I've always had Bork, Borknagar. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's the first time I've ever said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, I hate names like that. If you just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, like. Oh. You're yeah. on a podcast and you say a bad name for the first time. I've never heard of any bands he's been in. Uh, the only one that's got a similar entry on uh, Metal Archives is Relentless Aggression. Oh. Um, which is still an active band, according to uh, this. But yeah, it's... Um... This one's a, it's a bit lighter than Retir, but I still... I, I really love In Times. It's about time. And I've just... I've always just had a thing about chronology and time and the space between things and time and having a messed up perception of time. I don't know why. I've always been kind of obsessed with it ever since yeah. I was a kid. And this album just really speaks to me on a deep level because of that. Um, Churisau's Dreaming, the Herbrand, that's like fucking just Herbrand. Like, because it's like the whole song is like Gritless starting and he's like, yeah, the evil God or whatever. Yeah. And then 
just her brand just turns up and just rocks and just destroys everything. You yeah. Know? I've taken on another form and all that kind of stuff. The lyrics are just incredible. Oh yeah. yeah that's a great fantastic. track. Yeah. Yeah. Building with fire, 1000 years of rage, just classics really. They've just really refined their uh, formula by this point. And they're kind of, it's not formulaic. They're not just chucking stuff out, yeah. but like you can tell there's certain stuff they're kind of reusing. There's a lot, it's like poppier in one way, but it's still heavy as shit. It's catchy and heavy, but it's like, you could, never just be like oh this is pop music at all it's yeah. not light it's not weak it's it's you feel it still this is i think you've i agree 100 percent of everything you just said this would be the album i would recommend to an enslaved first timer yeah especially pretty, for, yeah. for the modern era i would think there's i think production wise it's probably one of the best sounding enslaved albums it, yeah, it is, everything yeah. sounds really crisp and beautiful i think all the instruments sound super clear like um like even building with fire i love how you've got like the, the uh the samples fire. of like yeah. the uh like the the hammer and the anvils right yeah, yeah the hammer and the anvil there's yeah. like birds in the they recorded in the matters there's a lot of field recording in this album and it's really yeah it really it's, yeah it's really beautiful the way it kind of works and yeah like you said that and uh, that anvil like, i hear that noise in my dreams man that's <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah so trippy but it's just, yeah, oh, just so many good riffs on this album as well. It's, uh, like you said, it's like, you don't want to call it formulaic, but it's it's a very complete sounded enslaved album. Like, it's a very, very solid. I mean, the runtime is 53 minutes. And like, to be honest, I've listened to this album so many times from start to finish. And it's funny how you talk about time being a concept. And it's like mm. what I was saying earlier about how like Roots of the Mountain sounds like a three minute track. This yeah. album sounds like a half an hour album. Yeah. But like, it's, it's, it's just shy of an hour, but it's, and mm. it's, it's interesting. Again, a lot. Of, every song is over eight minutes. I didn't notice that. Yeah, because that's that, see, that's kind of mind-boggling to me. Because about times I've listened to Daylight, and it just it goes you know so what? quick. You know what? Um, every, people people love it, but I can't freaking stand it. The Blackening is it? Oh, that by Machine, Machine Head. Head album. Is that? I can't remember if it's that one. I can't. They had an album. They had a song. This song, Halo, and I I really liked Through the Ashes of It. Huh? Is it on the blackening? Yeah, because yeah. I bought the blackening on CD because I yeah. really like Three Dashes of Empires. I actually didn't even mind the burning. I used to be a big Machine Head fan. Cannot listen to them at all anymore. Yeah, um, but I used to be a big Machine Head fan, and um, I listened to the blackening once, and I never listened to it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> like I just was like, oh, this sucks. Like this is, because every song, it's like that Saint Anger thing where they're like, we're going to write long proggy songs, and then they just proceed to do nothing proggy. And they're just like, oh, we'll just fucking repeat things like a million times. And yeah. like every song on that album is like eight, nine minutes, I, I think. And yeah, like it's just a good example where it's like just exactly like you said, it doesn't, you don't feel like you're enduring that with this album. It's not because the concepts are so expertly played and masterfully composed and just, yeah, just they kind of make sure it's different. You know, it's, you're not hearing the same shit. I wouldn't level the similar kind of accusations I was leveling with Ethica Odini with this album. It's like they've, it's only six tracks. Those six tracks thematically are very clearly laid out. Like Curacao's Dreaming has this celestial element, Building with Fire, Fire, Thousand yeah. Years of Rain, War. Again, they're doing the elemental thing. They're just yeah. like, they're just, you know, they're just, um, it's like they're in a baseball cage and they're just hitting run home runs every time. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Just th- I'm sorry, I was just thinking about like just the the, the opening, you know, the, the quite twinkly riff to Tourist Dreaming as well. How mm. it opens just so good. Um, 
it's um yeah you know it's actually mind-boggling to me to think that Saint anger i mean i don't know what the runtime on that album is i bought that album when it came out i don't know why i wish i refunded it um like that's probably similar to this album and i swear yeah. to god when i listened to that album all the way through nothing happened like i felt like i just watched like jason and the argonauts like it was <laughs> it was that fucking long and boring um, and sorry to any Jason and the Argonaut yeah, fans out there. Yeah. I just want to say quickly to Paddy, the Blackening is not better than Rain and Blood. Oh, fuck off. He, Anyone that he, says that. I, I think oh, he's Christ. trying to pawn it off as a that, joke now. Nah, he's doing a bit. That's not that, true. Well, I mean, no I don't one. think he is. I think he's trying to pawn it off as a bit now. Yeah. It, it didn't sound like a bit at the time when he first said it. So <laughs> That's a bit. Just, but the Blackening, Halo's a track that has that... I can't even fucking remember. All I know Something is they like brought out like that album where they just literally took the the riff out of Love by a strapping young lad. Have you heard that? What? Yeah, dude, there's literally a the new Machine Head song where it just starts with the riff from Love for no apparent reason. It's I, I've never, I've never listened to the Blackening actually. No, it's, it's not Blackening. It's after oh. that. It's one of the newer. Okay? But any, yeah. anyway, enough about Rob Finn. Oh, I think I yeah, I think I do remember. <laughs> I think I played it to you before. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's totally Love. It's like that Gojira song on the new album, oh, Born Christ. for One Thing, that is literally a corporeal jigsaw quandary. Yeah, yeah. Well, every, every, we all know that every Gojira song is just fucking where the slime live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Everyone well, knows that, yeah. Right, should we move on? I, I think we should wrap up the last two albums um, yep. because we've already spoken for a long time. And I, at this point, disaster strikes. We move on to E... The fourteenth album. Yeah. Most importantly, no Herbrand Larson. I know. He's replaced uh Herbrand Larson, I believe he chooses to leave. Oh I I I've prepared his statement. <laughs> <laughs> the words of the man himself. This is really this is actually not an enslaved special, it's a Herbrand Larson special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just covering his period of enslaved. <laughs> there is no drama or anger involved in this. I think we all understand why this is the best decision, both for me and the band. I don't have that 100% drive anymore. The drive you need to be in a band like Enslaved. Only 99%, and that is not enough. It's hard to explain, but this is how it is. I remember all the shows we have done together, all the places we have been and all the fans that we've met. I remember meeting fans telling me that our music really means something to them. I remember travelling places I never thought I would see. I remember working with extremely talented people. I remember tough times, sad times, but most of all, all of the good times you have been all been a huge part of my life and will still be for that. I am truly grateful. What a class act. I think I something yeah. in my eye. <laughs> yeah. He then yeah. says to Ave, Kato, Grudler and Ivar, thank you for your friendship, your creativity and your support. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for you guys. I'm sure you will be even better, stronger and more successful in the future. And you will still continue to be my friends and a big part of my life. Thank you. That's so beautiful, man. Ah, that's a great statement. Just, that, that's yeah. how you want a member to leave a band, you know, yeah. on, on good terms. Yeah, what a class act. I, I bet really, the real reason was he was. they were probably fed up of winning Norwegian Grammys yeah, and they like didn't guys. have any room left. So. Yeah, in his trophy cabinet. That was a cool story, though. But did you see the bit when they gave the Grammy to <laughs> yeah. the old studio? I yeah. can't remember the name. Because they said they, said they were like, oh, if we win another one, we'll give it to you. And then they didn't win one that year or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but then they got one the following year, and then they gave it to the to the. Yeah. It was like the first venue. It was like the venue where Ivar met Gritler for the first time, and I think it was also where they played their first show. Yeah, it was cool though. It was funny because I think they they lost out on in times, but won it for E, which is wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not say E's a bad album, yeah. but like it's, not, it's E is still a good album. Um, I would definitely say that. Kato Beckerville performs on this album, but he leaves afterwards. 
Yeah. So it's, it's Kato's last uh, last dance as well. But there's um, some great moments. I also listened to this album on the plane as well, actually, when I was on the way to New York. It was the first time. I've got a thin with listening to enslaved albums on planes. Um, but yeah, like Storm Sun's a great track. Uh, the Sacred Horse. This um, is a great album. I prefer this to its um, su- successor, Utgard, the most recent album. See, I prefer Utgard, That's funnily interesting. enough. Yeah. I, I really like... The first time I heard Storm Sung, I thought it was sprawling and messy. And yeah. I thought the Storm Sun Lightning Sister refrain was a bit goofy. Yeah. But now I, re- I really like it. I don't know. It, I, just, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I had, there's a great interview where you know, if I was talking about how he wrote Sacred Horse, because that's obviously about uh, Sleepnir, the eight-legged horse. Oh, yeah, yeah. From yeah. Norwegian mythology. And he said he kept having dreams. And he kept seeing Sleipnir in his dreams. And he was like, well, you just got to write a song. Well, about that's Sleep. wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was just like, I just have to. Like, you know, so I thought that was really cool. And I like this Axis of the Worlds is like a goofy old school enslaved kind of riff yeah and it's got that kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of classics it's kind of anchoring in but it's 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 just not as good as in times i feel but there's still some you know there's uh, so not to to speak badly of her band's replacement hakon vigny he is very good he is a very good singer he has a beautiful voice and he is yeah. um, like n- nobody could replace her brand, but he does a fantastic job. Yeah, I, I have really seen uh, them job. live, I think twice with uh, uh, Hakon or ha- Hakon. Yeah, Hakon? maybe Haken, I think, Haken? because it's got the umlauts. But I don't know. Apologies to uh, any uh, Norwegians <laughs> listening to us butchering. They, yeah, they know we're only dumb English people. So yeah. It's <laughs> But it's um, yeah, so some live twice uh, with sort of I'll go for Hacken for now on vocals. And I don't um, think I've seen them with him. It was good. Like he he, he does the her brand parts pretty well. And one thing I didn't realize is uh, Ivor Sandoy, the replacement drummer for Cato, uh, does actually perform a fair amount of clean vocals as well. Damn, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. You, I've saw on. Do you remember during the lockdown they done um, like a really well produced Caravans of the Worlds or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like I still been, I haven't watched it. I've been meaning to. It's really I good. Think, like I think it's... Nina was telling me about one of the songs on it today, and I was like, Oh damn, you know more about this than I do. I haven't even watched mm. it yet. And she she was telling me about one of the songs, and I was like, oh, What? Super good. <laughs> super yeah. cool. Like it's really really well produced. Um, but I think for me, um, if we're summing up here a little bit with, with the Utgard album, I felt like that's with sort of Hacken, uh, Hakon, Hakon. kind of settles into his role yeah. a little bit more because this is another transitional period for the band. So yep. some new keyboardist, new clean vocalist, uh, and then obviously a new drummer on Utgard. I feel like he, f- because he probably had the previous yeah previous experience working with the band as a producer slash engineer. Yeah, I think that helped, definitely. Think, yeah, that definitely helped yeah. him kind of slot into the role quite easily. Um, and he's a great drummer. I think yeah, just some great, a really good drummer. His drums really do sound a lot like Kato's. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's. I think what he's. I, I. I do like when drummers do this. They kind of decide to incorporate elements of the drumming uh, that was previously there and put their own little spin on it. Right. It's kind of like a, a weird comparison. Kind of is uh, Ray Luzio, who becomes a drummer after David I Silvera. Did, literally, Korn. I was thinking that because like that guy ruined Corn. It's weird. Like, yeah, yeah like. D- David Silvera as a funk drummer in Corn was what made them unique and interesting. And I still really like a lot of their older stuff, even with the goofy lyrics and stuff. But Ray Luzio is a very competent metal drummer, but it just completely robs Corn of 
something that's very unique and interesting about their identity. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's the exact, exact point. And I couldn't have put any better myself of what yeah. I was going to make. And Sorry, I, feel like, I didn't mean to take No, no, but great. I mean, yeah, it was I, great. I, literally, I was having the same thought. It was really yeah. interesting that you where you went to, yeah. But it's, um, you know, when so when it's always good to hear when a, me- a new member comes on board. And I think, you know, Hakon kind of does something similar where he's, you know, he's um, well, not full on copying um, her brand's vocal lines or patterns, but he's there's definitely an element of it that's similar to his style. Yeah. And I feel like by the time of Utgard, there's certain tracks where I think he's kind of eased into the role a bit more. And he does his like belting, more powerful vocals are quite yeah. prominent. Even though I'm still a bit I'm yeah. still a bit confused. I think that might be either Sandor, I'm not sure. Because be, when yeah. I watched this live set they done during the lockdown, I started to see um that's when I first saw that he handled quite a lot of the clean vocal duties. But there's a few tracks on Utgard that I really like. Like I think Homebound's a great track. It's got a really kind of nice, kind of like jaunty, almost fall-on riff to it. I don't like it. Do you not like it? I, I love don't it. Like I it. Love it. It feels like a missing bit of music from like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer scene or something. I don't get it. Oh, I, don't I, I love it. I love it. It just, I think, you know, it's just, um, I, I, I like Urgerton. Is that the one that kind of has like the almost video game style uh, synthy intro? Yeah, because they were saying that one's really inspired by, um, oh, bollocks, French guys. Not Daft Punk. No, not that. No, um, like, good. No, they're like old old guys, like robot music. Oh, you mean um, the German Kraftwerk? Kraftwerk, sorry, not yeah, French. Yeah. yeah, no, I was thinking yeah. of like yeah. Can, I think. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, because they were talking about Kraftwerk and Can, yeah. I think, for Urgerton. And like, that's I, that worked quite well for me, I think, in terms of it being like, oh, it's a story. It's like the first giant, the Ur giant, the Jotun being the giants, obviously, of, of Norwegian mythology. And it was like, yeah. And then I, f- I thought that they used that experimentation and it's like a different sound for Enslaved, but like the bass is like, it's like a super um, Gritler like bass line yeah. as well. And there's like some really interesting stuff. And I thought that the the drummer is d- that, that kind of syncopation between the snare and the bass drum and the, 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 the note length choices, again, very kind of like Kato, like Enslaved traditional drum kind of yeah. feel. It's very, very... Um, uh, tastefully yeah. composed, I think. Whereas I, f- I, I just I don't know. Like Homebound just doesn't hit me in yeah. the same way that I think if it was like a if it was released a couple of albums before, yeah, I think it probably would have just floored me. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But that's not. You know, that's not. You know, they can't all be. But this is the thing. You know, you've got. As I think you've just got to remember how long the band have been at right. it, and, yeah. and it, it, it's great in a way this for us. Oh God, is their fifteenth album? That, that's insane. <laughs> like, you know, and it's you, you, they were so young when they started that they're still relatively young now, and like, yeah. it's it's crazy to me to think that this is, could just be another phase in this right, band's yeah, career. Else in and then they're probably going to, as more and more albums come out, and if they're planning on writing new music, which I hope they are, like I feel like the next album is going to be even more. Like kind of what we were saying about the, like the Herbrand and Cato era when that mm. was first was kind of ushered in, you kind of heard them settling into it and it became more and more refined. Right, that's it. I think that's totally true. This is maybe the the newer members trying to experiment and find their voice, and that's yeah. like totally valid. And there's still and great totally... albums, and it's just like who else yeah, can you think um, of? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not not shitting on it. It's still great. Uh, it, it, it's it's good, but it's like so it's just when it's one of your favorite bands, you're always gonna. You know, almost hypercritical, right? Yeah, hypercritical. Like, yeah, this is yeah. yeah, this is me being hypercritical, but I, I still really like it. I would also say that I've probably given this the least time out of all the albums we've spoken yeah. about. So I still, it's you know, 
I, I also could listen to it a whole bunch more and come back and just take everything yeah. back. I didn't say I love it. So. And I think, that you too. know, that's a good point because like this album came out uh, October the 2nd, 2020. And, and, you know, that is such a turbulent time for everyone. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, like I, we, we were consuming a lot of music with, with doing the podcast. So, yeah. which was great because it was, it really helped me kind of reignite my love for discovering new styles of music and especially like all the old seventies music that Nina's turned me on to and stuff. And, um, which is, this is probably most of all of the enslaved albums. I probably would argue that this might be one of the most seventies influenced ones. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, and it's, I feel like everyone kind of, I, mean, I don't want to speak for other people here, but like me personally, I'll say that like, with everything that's been happening the last few years, like I think everyone's had to work super hard to maintain that kind of lust for life and that desire to do things. Cause I think we've had so much fun sucked out of us with everything yeah. that's been happening. So it's like, it's, I've definitely not given this album the time that it's deserved because I've just been so yeah busy doing other yeah, things. The, men- and it's, the mental it, headspace is it's a real thing. Yeah. You know? That's it. Like it's easy to look back on a lot of those older records and just think of like the things that were going on in your life at the time. And, yeah, how things were growing and changing, but you're right. Like there has just been a, a pull, a miasma over yeah. everything, which has kind of limited my enjoyment of certain things so much as I kind of watch the UK tumble into just depression the, and yeah. you know irrelevance. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because, like you know, it's you, I think the music you're most fond of is the ones that remind you of a good time, or the ones that you yeah. can allocate to a certain memory or a certain place. So, like, I think that's why I almost feel sorry for any band trying to release music during this time, because it's, you know, it's, it, there's not really much going, there hasn't really been hey, much going yeah. on for us in the UK, at least anyway. Like, yeah. you know, we, we had a lot of downtime, which is what actually led to the inception of this podcast. But, um, so I'm thankful from that perspective. But um, on the other hand, there was just so much shit to be worried about. It was hard to focus on the arts. And then even the, even the state of the arts in the real world, like we didn't know what was like, we, I think everybody was craving to go to a gig again, but then it, that was coupled with the dilemma of feeling safe. Yeah. Because of so much fucking ill. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. And you're still dealing with the fallout from the last time around and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we are, you know, kind of hopefully, you know, coming out of the woods and i feel like live music has opened up a bit went to watch turnstile totally forgot i forgot to do the turnstile yeah, review yeah, I was thinking about it but like yeah. um but yeah like went to watch turnstile live the other day which was amazing um and paradise lost played um fucking ballroom yesterday i didn't know that that was interesting cause it was a sold out show but apparently loads of trains were down so i guess there's that amount of people couldn't get there but i think i saw some pictures i think moonspell posted pictures and it looked like it was still pretty well attended okay thankfully. cool so oh moonspell supporting oh cool yeah it's moonspell and uh, aluna Oh no way! Oh yeah. cool! Oh, of course! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I saw it, and I was thinking, oh, I was already, I was so tired, but I was just like, oh god! I, so I promised myself that yeah. when gigs were back, I would go to as many gigs as possible. Well, I've, I'm fucking. We got to. I got to sit and watch Paradise Lost from the stage at Bloodstock. That <laughs> yeah, was amazing. so great. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah, they really playing. Fever, fever. They played an album in full. They played Icon. What, what, what was that? There's a fever. fever. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that? That's the first one. Anyway, yeah, this is the... Yeah. I think we should wrap things up. It's gone on long enough. It does and indeed. We, me and you could talk all day about Enslaved. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I we think... love them. Thank you, Enslaved. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you for all of your work and your love and your unifying message and the 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 
the beauty with which you forged on you beautiful bastards i love you yep it's and when you come to the uk you could be guaranteed i'll be front and center hell yeah as always losing my shit mm. and please play 793 Battle of Lindisfarne again. So I need <laughs> yeah, to just that carve again. out half your fucking set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Fuck all your other songs. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> play yeah, this 20 song. minute song. Yeah, yeah. Just play Lindisfarne. Yeah. yeah no. And I play Easter though, seriously, because I saw him play it once and it was just. Anyway. It's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> right, guys. So remember to like and subscribe if you managed to sit through this three hour uh, <laughs> waffle session of us waxing lyrical about Enslaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what your favorite Enslaved album is because I'm always interested to hear and discuss Enslaved. As uh, so you ever see me at a gig, feel free to come up and tell me to my face what you like about <laughs> Enslaved. <laughs> to my face. That sounded uh, very yeah. confrontational, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, but also, I just want to point out initially, we came up with the idea for this episode because Nina was uh, busy one week and she wasn't able to film. Um, however, <laughs> because uh, I fucked up the recording of the episode, we had done all this research and um, it, we, we had other plans for today's episode. It didn't work out, so we decided to do the Enslaved episode. So Nina is, is here, but she will be front She'll and stage back. again. She will be absolutely back. This is, this is just a temporary thing. You don't have to put up with me, don't worry. <laughs> Right, guys, well, take care, and I'll see you next time. Love you. Peace.